Get your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is? Ah, hump day! Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. It is not only hump day and 7 o'clock on hump day. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley is here. Carrie Davis is here. I'm Randy Carricker. But not only is it hump day, but it is a number of the day day. Oh. It's pretty cool. A good number? The number of the day. You will. Number of the day. You're about to see the number of the day is three. How, How about, about our St. Louis Blues? Woo. Wow. Yeah, take that, athletic. This feels Dumb so... Dumb decision. <laughs> Dumb decision. <laughs> how, how long have you been waiting to say that, Randy? Because they were looking time. right very early on, yeah. but now they don't know what they're talking about again. They how about not. that? Yeah. Uh, you're, take your analytics and put them where the sun don't shine. <laughs> I didn't know what you were going to say there. I was yeah. a little nervous. Yeah, but... we're, we're good. We're good. Huh? Your, your St. Louis Blues are hot. By the way, they're now a point behind Winnipeg and Colorado. So... A Blues win tomorrow night at San Jose, which seems a fait accompli, right? San Jose has only won two games. And not playing or losses by Colorado Winnipeg thrusts your Blues into second place in the Central Division. Didn't see that coming, did we? No, not athletic. De- no, definitely didn't see that coming. And just <laughs> sorry, Jr. I, J- I'm not blaming Jr. here. I'm, no, bra- I'm blaming dumb decision. Yeah. Yes, exactly. This, this is a team that is playing more consistently. They are playing with effort, with energy. They are. Scrapping and 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 they're shooting the puck, man. Like mm-hmm. that that it seems so simple, you know. Right? Carrie, Sports ain't hard, and you know what? It's, <laughs> it's, uh, shooting, shooting the puck is something that, that Chris Kerber just adores. Obviously, the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN, and he got a chance to call a lot of those last night. Needs the charge with Thomas. Now to Pareko. Pareko shoots. He scores. Kairou, partial break, in, shoots, score! Jordy Kairou got the pass off the far wall, brought it in. And finally scores on the breakaway. What a relief it'll be for him. Blues bring it to Krug. He goes back for wing, score! Verona looks to the rafters with a big thank you. Which name is chips it ahead. Happening this time to the empty net. He's got it. He shoots it. He scores. So, which David will get the assist. Cap 
put in the empty net goal. Up to Shen. He got it out of the zone. Shen on a partial break. Centers the Cameroon. He scores. And the Blues have put a handful of the Lightning. Five nothing the score. And the Blues win it by a score of five to nothing last night at Enterprise Center over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Pretty good team. Now, granted, they don't have their goalie, Andre Vasilevsky, but it's still 5 nothing against Tampa Bay. It's an NHL team, and man, what an impressive performance by the Blues. By the way, it could have been 7 or 8 to nothing because the Blues, uh, Kevin Hayes had an unbelievable opportunity. Mm-hmm. Great play by Tampa to knock the, ball, the, the puck out of the crease. Verona had had an opportunity in the first period that was sensational, so uh, the Blues played exceptionally well. Outshot 30 to 29, but man, they played well last night. 26 block shots, too. Mm-hmm. And that shows when you're willing to sacrifice your body. We've talked about that. That is what Barubi likes to see from his players. And to see that implemented by the players this season, I think, is very important to their game. But it looks like you have a more well-balanced top six right now. I didn't know what to think exactly with splitting up Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas. But once again, Barubi is like a magician. The way that he's able to just pull out all these tricks out of a bag, essentially, and make this work, he has the minus touch of figuring out what works out with these lines. Because if you think about it, when you had Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas and Pavel Buchnevich all together on the line, then it was really easy for defensive systems to focus on them and shut them down. And maybe that's what led to the lack of offense early on. But now, with you splitting them up, it's a very well more balanced or balanced top six that you're seeing right now. And by the way, the top four defensemen looking exceptional as well. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, Krug, two, those two assists were outstanding. Beautiful. Uh, the, the pass to Kairou was outstanding. Mm-hmm. The pass to Ronner was outstanding. Just understanding. Come, come on, we, like when we play. Come on, join the party, man. Like we want everybody involved and. That's what the Blues are. Everyone is doing their job. Everyone is engaged. And I, I will say, I think it started, like I said, it, that fourth line for me, you know, we talked about it a few games ago, how much energy and effort they played with, and they seemed to be the catalyst for the team. And now it feels like all of the other lines are saying, oh, okay, we, I guess that is how we should be playing. And they all are playing in that way. And Curbs mentioned last night during the broadcast that in the pregame, Craig Berube had identified the fourth line as our identity line. Uh, Brooke, you talk a lot about what's our identity here. Well, that when Craig Berube is going to coach a team, that is going to be the team's identity, for better or worse. And you better have the guys to present that identity, and that fourth line sure does right now. Yeah, they do. They look exceptional right now. But this group is just really humming. And this is what you were hoping to see, that it was going to... Oh, it's nice. They're like bees right now, just humming along, all working together. And then like bees, they sting you. There you Ooh, go. Ooh, there you go. Are we working with someone here? Are we cooking? Uh, yeah, let's 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 work. Let's, let's, we're we're yeah. cooking something up yeah. right now. Yeah. We're, we're, we're we're working on that. We're yeah, <laughs> but I, you like everything you see, and you mentioned Tory Krug CD and what he was able to do these past few games looks really really good. If you look at that pairing of him and Justin Falk, a combined. Let's see. What was it? They were minus 17 combined through 14 games last season. This season, a combined plus 19. Just to show you the progression. And maybe with this whole new defensive system, we did need to be a little bit patient to see how this would all play off, uh, play out. But I think the offensive spark we're seeing right now is the defensemen really joining in on things offensively and joining the rush. And you're starting to see that all come together as a group. Do you guys, when number 48 plays, just does he stand out to you? Do you just notice? And it's not all the time. And Perunovic only score, uh, played, what, 13, 45 last night. He was a plus one. He didn't dent the score sheet. But... 
he just seems to be a noticeable guy to me when mm-hmm. he's playing. I think those guys are important. The guys that you notice that stand out that are playing and doing everything in the right way, those are the guys that you say, okay, they, they, get, they start to gain more time, they gain more trust of the coach. And, you know, there's a reason why – He's probably playing, and 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 Tucker isn't. I mean, you you just get more opportunities the more, the, the better you do every single day. Meanwhile, last the, well, let's point out that the Blues will play tomorrow night at San Jose, eight thirty pregame, nine thirty faceoff here on one hundred one ESPN as they start a four game trip to the uh, the Western Time Zone. Actually, right now I think Arizona's in the. Uh, the Mountain Time Zone as we speak, but everybody else are playing Anaheim, L.A. Albert played there, Anaheim, um, <laughs> Anaheim, L.A., San Jose, all on the in the Pacific Time Zone. Matthew liked it. <laughs> yeah, that, gets, that gets me every freaking time. I don't know why. Bang. Uh, Marquette knocks off Illinois, seventy-one <laughs> to sixty-four. A lot of giving a top five team a good run, and you got to be happy about that because uh, you got uh, in a month or so you've got uh, bragging rights, McBride and Son bragging rights game. So you, you just want to be able to give a good team a nice run, and Illinois did that against Marquette last night. I, I want to win, Randy. I, um, I'm greedy. <laughs> I, I, giving a team a, a run is is cool. So you're not happy being tied fifty-two fifty-two with ten minutes left with uh, with Marquette. <laughs> Marquette's win? a good team. I don't care. <laughs> oh, they win. I, I'm about wins and losses. I don't really care about point spread. I don't care. I, I don't get into that part part of the of the game. I, I want to know: Did you win or did you lose? And if you lost, then you got to be better next okay. time. Now uh, I will let Matthew and uh, Carrie go here because uh, did you notice our, our late night text Please. exchange oh, going on? I yeah. did see so that. You, you, they, can I, a, yeah. they can get a peek inside yeah. the, the the curtain yeah. of what happens yeah. around ten chat. fifteen. Yeah. So pretty much every other day. Brooke and I went over to Enterprise Center. <laughs> I get home and I sit down and all of a sudden my phone starts blowing up. And I'm, I wouldn't even watch it. Okay, go, Carrie. Well, Rock sent the message. <laughs> said, whoa, that escalated quickly. And he was referring to... Draymond the, tried to kill a guy last night. <laughs> so here's On the national issue. television. Let me tell you something. Rudy Gobert is 7'10". Like, he is 8 <laughs> feet tall. The fact that you let another man grab you around your neck and drag you like a rag doll and beg for someone, anyone, please help me, Lord, somebody, get him off me. The fact that you're seven five and can't get somebody off of you speaks volumes to me as of you as a man and then as a basketball player. He would not have survived and your thoughts walking on... across the street in the 90s, <laughs> let alone playing basketball. Your thoughts on, your thoughts on getting cheap shot uh, chokehold when you're trying to separate my two players and a guy are, comes around you and decides, are, I'm, assass- I'm going to assassinate here, you here, right now, here you are dirty my, Frenchman. Here are my thoughts. Don't touch Clay or Steph. If you don't want to get choked, don't touch Clay or Steph. And that's the rule. That's the only rule come that on. matters. No, come he's on. He's breaking up a fight Doesn't between matter. Clay and another player. He, no, he no, should, it does matter. He should gra- like, so here's the thing. Facts matter. You gra- no, you grab your own teammate and pull your own teammate off. You do not touch Clay or Steph. <laughs> no, see, when, you're eight, tall, no. when you're eight feet tall, you separate the players and then you do one of these. And this is what you do. You grab your own teammate and say, hey, man, get the hell away from here because this guy's crazy and we're not going to touch Clay or Steph. Or I'm gonna get choked the hell out and try to figure out what. Dude, this is a man. But you're so, I'm sorry. He got you're, choked. You're He's supposed to be nine. prepared. You're supposed to be prepared Rock, during you... an NBA game. Hold on a moment. You're supposed to be prepared during an NBA game hey. that a guy's gonna come from across the court. Let me tell you something. And put you into a full WWE yeah. style sleeper yeah. hold. 
Ted DiBiase style. 100%. 100%. Million dollar man. He's supposed to Put him down. That. You should. You should be prepared. If you touch Clay or Steph, you should know. Where's this that is a tape? warning. Where's that in the video room? You saw it when he, when he punched uh, Jordan Poole. You think that was just cuz? Boy, that escalated quickly. Yeah. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Oh, it jumped up God. a notch. It did, didn't it? Okay, I'm watching the video right now. Thompson's shirt got ripped? Yeah. Oh, wow. You don't touch... Clay or Steph. So why no. not go after Jaden McDaniels? I do. I do have a question though. Is there does you is it necessary to do the chokehold, or could they have just done something well, else, thing, maybe a little bit differently? Thing, that I've learned in my life, in my <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> here's the thing that I've learned in my okay. th- my lifetime. Mm-hmm. When there's a fight, there ain't no rules. So <laughs> you do what you got to do to survive, and if you don't like it, fight better. That's, that's even the below the below Whatever the belt. Whatever you hey. gotta do. I, I know Draymond no likes rules. to do below the belt sometimes. Yeah, I mean, he didn't kick anybody this time, but he just choked the guy. That's beautiful. <laughs> and, uh, hey, congratulations to the Missouri Tigers, number nine in the country, according to the College Football Playoff Committee. Yeah. Highest ranked two-loss team. And if we had the 12-team playoff now, the way the ratings are set up, Mizzou would play Alabama in the first round. But we don't have the 12-team playoff. But congratulations to the Tigers. Uh, they're, uh, they're having a great year. All right, it is hump day. It is... Is Wednesday, and that means it's Ask Uncle Randy Day. The text line is open 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo-ho! Maybe you have some family questions as we approach the holidays. You know, Thanksgiving is just a week from tomorrow, so maybe you have in-law issues that you need to discuss. That's what we're here for. So uh, send us a text, and by the way, you can watch us on our Air Comfort Services uh, studio cam, or our Air Alliance team studio cam. I'm sorry, just go to YouTube and type in 101 ESPN STL, and the Air Alliance team studio cam is there for you to see us. Ask Uncle Randy, coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 399-9646. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. I've been around, you know. All right, it's it's time for Ask Uncle Randy here on 101 ESPN. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Matthew. Oh, what happened? What was that? Did I, I was trying to get to Matthew. Uh, did I mess up? Oh, yeah. 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Yes. 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 Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, that was quick, here. My, my mind was <laughs> elsewhere because Matthew wanted to say something ahead of time. What did you need to say, sir? It looked like you were headed to the microphone. <laughs> well, yeah, because I'm, I'm going to read the Uncle Let's Randy's. Let's do it then. Let's oh, do yeah. it. No, don't mess up a Yoho okay. on my account, please. <laughs> okay. By the way, next uh, Wednesday, we should prepare and get our power rankings ready for our annual Thanksgiving sides draft. Um, I won't. Can I? Can I You're submit out? mine? Yes. Yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah, you. Yeah, just give us a, your uh, big board. Okay, I submit Mel. mine. I won't be here. Okay, good That's for you. Twenty second, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want us to draft on your behalf? Uh, That's what we're doing. Yeah, just give us yeah. a pop. Okay. We'll take the next one available. Right. Best available before. athlete. We, okay, before? to be fair, we won't let Rock do it. No. So you have a better chance. She just drafted it before? 
Tuesday? Are you going to be here Tuesday? I'll be here Tuesday. Okay, let's uh, do Tuesday. 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 Uh, very last food draft. There you go. Last food draft that we that just did. That was a candy uh, draft. Scoreboard. Scoreboard. <laughs> scoreboard. Uh, tell it. Tell it. Rock. Excuse you? I, I won the last food draft, <laughs> so I mean, I don't, know why, I, don't know, I don't know why you're throwing shade right now. Um, you got lucky. Because all of us forgot to retweet and all of his friends voted for him. Oh. They don't ask how good. <laughs> they just ask how many. <laughs> <They're right there. laughs> I was right behind you. <laughs> you were. Good job. Uh, Dear Uncle Randy, my 10-year-old's really getting interested in basketball, so I'm starting to wonder on his training schedule, how often do we go to the gym and how often do I take him for MMA training? Carrie, oh, do you want to Yeah, land I, on that? I think that I would defer to uh, my cohort here, Carrie How, how did he say Ten. he was? 10-year-old, he's getting really serious about basketball. How often should he take him for you know wrestling training as opposed to basketball not, training? Uh, MMA, MMA, not wrestling. MMA training. MMA. Yeah. I mean, well, MMA, wrestling, all of that is very good for the core and stability and it depends on what position. I mean, I, I, I've learned in well, my... Well, he's talking about the last night's game, Draymond. Oh, that game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, so you, so should, you basketball and MMA. Oh, you should do both. Yeah. I, you don't want to be choked out. Yeah. You have to be ready. You got to yeah. You gotta be... You should do... Yes. He's in, interested in basketball. Get him some MMA training. Yeah, you better. You don't want Draymond, Draymond out there. to choke, your, 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 choke you out. Yeah. If you're Rudy <laughs> Gobert, the first thing he should be doing when he gets back to Utah is Googling MMA classes. How do how self defense classes is what the hell Rudy should be looking up? How to defend myself? <laughs> Please. All right, <laughs> Uncle Randy. How do I best help my wife deal with the stress of hosting everyone for Thanksgiving? Uh, if you have any cooking ability, take advantage of that. And basically, you could kind of be, if she's stressed out by making so much food, act as A, a sous chef, and B, as a cleanup person. So if she needs ingredients, you be there. But as soon as she uses a pan or a dish, and then it's discarded, either put it in the dishwasher or clean it and get it ready for its next use. But just keep things clean and efficient because it's a hassle for one person to, for example, make uh, macaroni and cheese and have the, the cheese in a bowl when you have to use the bowl again for stuffing or something like that. So uh, just try to keep everything clean for her. There and then, yeah, and, and then uh, she's she's going to get stressed, so uh, make sure that you have some Maker's Mark whiskey on hand. I was ah. going to say the stress is inevitable. Well, then. Mm-hmm. It's going to be inevitable. And there is a thing as too many cooks in the kitchen, so mm-hmm. maybe just asking how you can help. And like you said, Randy, and, and setting things up. I think that that's always that's very helpful. Yeah. Uh, and, and then once uh, once the food, once, once the hay is in the barn, as the coaches say, uh, then there's nothing you can do to help with the stress of the in-laws. Speaking of that, this this one blew my this one blew my mind. I can't believe this is a thing. Good morning, Uncle Randy. How would you deal with my parents and in-laws, quote unquote, keeping score on how often they get to visit our newborns? My wife and I feel like we've kept everything pretty consistent, but we keep getting guilt tripped. Well, every day on this show, you hear Uh-oh. Carrie Davis say, "I don't like to lose." Uh, so, <laughs> if, if your parents and her parents uh. are, or his parents, uh, if they are competing over the affection of your kid, that's good for you. So you don't fight that battle and try to get them to stop competing because you have free babysitters and you want them to be available for you. So as much time as they can spend with your youngster, especially if you're working and they can act as free daycare, you take advantage of it. That is a very valid point, sir. I mean, I didn't think about that. I I was going to tell them, you know, hey, we got to, we got to be mature adults here, but if you want to be here, go ahead. 
said mm-hmm. we're going to go out and uh, <laughs> hang out by ourselves or together uh-huh. for an hour or two. Or nap. Or sleep. Yeah. Right. We're, we're, you have fun. Do whatever you want to do. For, you, you got it. Yeah. As often yep. as you'd like to come by. And or or make it easy. I'll just bring them to you. How about that? Right, right. And first come, first serve. <laughs> I think that's a good rule of thumb. First come, first serve. And so you have to call ahead and maybe even just have a little chart, a monthly chart for which grandparent gets the kids on what date. That sounds like a lot Like a of Google work. Doc. Well, just set up, yeah, and everybody signs in. Okay, yeah. can, can, can we throw, like spin off a hypothetical then based off sure, that one? Yeah. What happens if you have one pair of parents who are always just showing up 10 a.m. every morning and another parents who That's feel like certain. they don't want to be intrusive and so they're always like, we'll call us over and so they feel like they never get to see the kids because boundaries. they're the they're yeah, the ones yeah, who back they're, off they're, there's and the other be ones boundaries. don't. Okay. Yeah, there's got to be boundaries. You, you just can't have the parents showing up with you walking around in your pajama pants and no shirt. You just can't get at 10 in the morning. That just can't happen. So, uh, yeah, there's got to be boundaries. There has to be a text or a call and communication before the parents arrive on the scene. Yeah, call. and then Always a duel call. in the lawn between the parents. Whoa. Duel! Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, ten <laughs> For who gets to go in <laughs> yep. and help. Uh, yeah. see the with kids one of those uh, soft, what's it called, the gun over there? They the can duel soft guns? Yeah. 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 They can duel with those. I don't, I don't know. Those hurt. Um, <laughs> the amount of MMA training that Carrie's going to, I mean, come on, we got we to get somebody on the show yeah, here because we're, we're, we're about to move parents. stuff right now. That's what you give the parents for this holiday season, <laughs> MMA classes. training, so they it. can duel it on the we're lawn. We're about to move out. Class duel no, on the show. You, 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 know you can get one Text of those. Um, if you got an MMA class, we can, uh, we can come take a look at. <laughs> Have you guys seen those uh, octagon trampolines with the net around them? Yes. Oh, yeah. That could be their MMA ring, like a... Fight a cage match between parents. Yes. Whoa. Just have that up in your lawn. Okay, we we gave this person every answer in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Uncle Randy, my boss is a micromanager. How do I deal with him always being on my butt? Well, I would say there's two things you can do here. Number one, let him do all the work, which is always good. Or number two... Uh, <laughs> if he wants to micro, if he wants to do the job, hey, you know what? Here you go. You, you yeah. take it. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> do it wrong and let him you, fix it. You want to micromanage? You micromanage, baby. Uh, or uh, the other thing that you can do is just make. Sh- and this is fun, but I've had to do this before with a micromanager boss before. Is make sure that every single detail is covered before you start, and it drives them crazy because then they realize they're micromanagers. I don't know if they will ever realize. I don't think so either. I, I think that that's kind of a well, character flaw in certain ways. My and thing if you was want though, to micromanage. Yeah, my, Brooke, my thing was though, I've been doing it a long time, and uh, the person actually would walk into the studio and, and try to tell us how to do our job. And finally, I had to say, look, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm, I'm good, okay? And the person stayed away. Uh, but yeah, you don't, it was at this station. Uh, you don't want, in this business, I don't want somebody telling me what segment to do or what to say or something like that. So mm-hmm. I just, I, I, you know what I played? I, I say I hate playing this card, but I love it. I say, you know what? I've been in this town longer than every owner, every general manager, every coach, every program director. And I'm going to be here after you're gone. So I, I play that card, and then that kind of shuts them up. You know, like, I know that's a big ego baller play, but I do it, you, I do sometimes it Sometimes anyway. you got to remind yourself yeah. of who you are. Yeah. Randy doesn't like the card, but it is, yeah. it is laminated in his back pocket. It sure is. Yeah. <laughs> but to your point, Randy, is micromanagers typically, when they are doing that, they kind of want you to question yourself so that you will rely on them and their thoughts. It's kind mm-hmm. of retraining you where yeah. you'll rely on them, where it's like, okay, wait, 
I'm about to do something. What would this manager want me to do? That's the whole purpose of micromanaging is where you think of them instead of just relying on your gut or even your abilities to actually do something or yeah. accomplish something. And this was a nice guy. He just I, I think he just didn't know how to be a, a good manager. It happens. It happens. He got fired, so I guess he wasn't that great. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uncle Randy, the fam and I, the fam and I are headed to Disney World next week. Oh, Joe Vitale, thanks for listening. Am I insane for going right before, right around Thanksgiving or uh, on no, Thanksgiving? It's, gonna I guess? Be, it's actually going to be. It's, it probably would it be less people there. Well, it's supposed to be a huge travel weekend. I would think families will wind up there. But if, if you like world. energy. Uh, if energy is a thing that you like, now I would get that. Joey always talks about getting the pass to get in line. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, should we text? What, what's that? Is, is fast, it called? Fast, Just a fast, fast pass. pass. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, make sure you get the fast pass because you don't know how many people are going to be there, so that you, you don't have to. You don't want to stand in line if you have a, an eight-hour day at Disneyland or Disney World. You don't want to be standing in line for two of them for one ride, and then the, the ride takes two minutes, and then you have to get in another two-hour line. So get the fast pass, but no, you aren't insane. Because the kids have the time off, the kids are going to love it, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a memory that will stay with them and with you forever. So, no, you are not insane for utilizing your kids' days off to have a fun time. As an adult, I would love to go back to Disney now. I feel like as a child, I didn't appreciate it as much. No, hey, with I would all due it. respect, you have to pay this time. Or someone oh. with you has oh. to pay this time as an You're adult. You're right. As a child, you, 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 you were on someone else's dime. Mm-hmm. As and an if adult, I got tired, somebody got to carry me. Yeah. It's great. Trust me. Brooke. As an adult, yeah. it is not nearly as okay. much. Carrie, you have not done this. Brooke, you have not done this. Okay. okay. You both have Michelle Smallman's number. Mm-hmm. Michelle Smallman works for Disney. Oh. Mm. Just saying. Oh, yeah. she can get us mm-hmm. the good stuff. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you mm-hmm. go. Okay. Like there you plan. go. Michelle, so, I'm hitting you up today. I yeah. had a sister who worked at those parks for a decade. I went once. Uh, <laughs> I really did not take advantage of that. Uh, dear Uncle Randy, my boss wants me to be more extroverted and do more to lead my peers, but I'm an introvert and being a leader exhausts me. How can I find a better balance of being in the center of the ring without hurting myself mentally? This is one of the great sports questions that I ask people all the time. Can't. Uh, is leadership a learned activity or an innate activity? I think you are. Now, you can learn leadership skills, but if you are an introvert, you can't turn yourself into an extrovert. And if you are not, if you don't have leadership skills, you can learn leadership skills, but if you don't have a leadership personality, you are going to be a leader. Now, Carrie, you weren't the star of that offense in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. but you were a leader yeah. because you have you were born with leadership skills. Yeah. And you, there are great people that you would think are quarterbacks, yeah. that you would think are leaders that just aren't. And it's it's not, and the boss has to learn this at yeah. some point. I, I feel bad for your boss because you can't just make somebody a leader. I, I agree with that. I think that's something you're born with. As you said, it can be learned, but when you're when you're born with that, or or that's just innately inside of you, it, it comes off as more genuine. It's 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 more passionate, and it's more accepted. I think from those that are that are listening to you, um, and it's a difficult task for someone that doesn't want to be in that role to be thrusted into that role because it, it will always be awkward for him and nobody wins in that situation. Mm-hmm. Dick Vermeil, and I'm sure Mike Tomlin is this way too. Dick Vermeil was the quintessential leader. He was perfect. Mm-hmm. He's the best leader I've ever been around because he ran, he didn't run, he led the whole organization. But the great leaders, 
the great leaders are the people that surround themselves with great people and let them do their jobs. They don't micromanage. They don't ask somebody who doesn't have leadership ability to be a leader. What they do, and this was Coach Vermeil's credo, surround yourself with great people, let them do their jobs, and tell them you love them. And if you do that, doesn't matter where you work, whether you're running a football team or whether you're running a radio station or whether you're running a bank or a car dealership or a restaurant, if you do that, you're going to win. That is the biggest thing, right? It's even with friendships. You are who you surround yourself with. If you surround yourself with a lot of people who are accomplished, who are go-getters, then that's also going to affect you too. I always grapple with when you're talking about if you're born with it or if it's something you learn, because you could point to a lot of social behaviors are you get those from your parents, mm-hmm. right? And the environment. But we've also seen a lot of great leaders who maybe didn't have the best environments growing right. up. And I do think it's something that you're born with. And you yeah. talked about Dick Vermeil. Of course, I didn't get to see him here when he was coaching. But when I was able to meet him for the first time, it was like a magnetic energy. Yes. It, it's so unique. When you meet a great leader and somebody who has led a lot of people and they did a great job of it, like Dick Vermeil did, it, there's something magnetic about oh, them, right? Yeah. And when you're around somebody, like give us, give us the core tenets of Mike Tomlin's leadership, because he told you every day. I'm it, sure it is what it is. You you're supposed to be who you are supposed to be. Take care of your business. No excuses. No explanations. You know, just take care of your business day to day, and let's not make any excuses about it. We nobody cares about your problem. We're gonna take care of it, and just just honesty and openness. I think for Mike T was one of the things that really brought players in and brought them closer to him. And you carry that stuff because you talk about yeah. it. You carry yeah. it throughout your life. Yeah. Yep. Do and what you're supposed to do. Peyton Manning, that yeah. was another great leader. Right. And you got to be around him well, too. Tony Dungy as well. Tony yeah. Dungy, like I said, is probably I, I don't think that man raised his voice above this this talk this level right here. Yeah. But every person when he spoke had eyes glued on him mm. and was locked in. And if you do want to get some leadership tenets. If you want to learn leadership, both of Tony Dungy's books are sensational with what he talks about in terms of leadership. Uh, Matthew, is that all we got? Give us one more. Come on, is there one more good one? What, <laughs> Randy's uh, we're having fun. No, he wants us to oh, take okay. a break. Okay. Wow. Uh, he cut us off. Yeah, hold on. I'm going to give you one anyway. Okay, it's 731. Okay. Uh, I'll give you one later. I'll give you one <laughs> later. And and Rudy Gobert was grabbing Clay. That's why yeah. he got choked. Uh, okay. Just so we know. Some NFL teams no. that were below 500 earlier are now a threat, and we're going to tell you who we think is the most dangerous of the early season busts next on 101 ESPN. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Hey, 
Hey, don't forget to check us out on the studio cam presented by the Air Alliance team. You can see it behind me if you're on the YouTube right now. Just go to YouTube, type in 101 ESPN STL, and we'd love to have you subscribe to the channel. And you can watch Brooks' interview with Katie Wu of The Athletic. Learn a lot about the Cardinals at our YouTube channel as well. And a lot of interesting info presented by Katie. Katie has a lot of great information and insight, and she was at the GM meetings prior to the stomach virus breakout, so we were able to capture her before then and before that debacle happened. Luckily, she was not affected, but Katie really gives some perspective on what Mosaic and the Cardinals are really looking at when it comes to starting pitching and how they're going to allocate this money, not just for starting pitching, but also for the bullpen and for other uses as well. And she said something that I came away from the interview feeling maybe a little bit better and just the sense of it is a good thing for them to continue to change their approach this offseason because things are continuing to change all the time and you have to be able to continue to adapt your approach and that was her takeaway from how they are looking at things this offseason. So it should be a good thing. Hopefully they can go out and get some people. I know some people were freaked out in the interview because, she, you know, she mentions that maybe they wouldn't be able to get an Aaron Nola or even a Yamamoto. I think Yamamoto's definitely been out of this conversation. But I don't know. It, it, it'll be a huge wait and see. I just want them to spend the money. Me too. As the Cardinals were coming down the stretch, the NFL was getting going, and we made our determinations about good and bad teams in the NFL. And we made determinations after the first month of the season about the Browns, who were 2-2, two and two, the Steelers, who were 2-2, two and two, the Bengals, who were 1-3, and three, the Jags, who were 2-2, two and two, the Texans, who were 2-2, two and two, and the Vikings, who were 1-3. and three. Now... All of those teams are either six and three, six and four, or five and four, and all threats to make the playoffs. So, guys, among the teams that got off to bad starts that now are hot Browns, Steelers, Bengals, Jags, Texans, Vikings. Who's the team that over the course of the last half of the season is going to be the one that will present itself as the one that nobody wants to play come playoff time? Well, nobody wants to play is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, I think they are still, even though they lost last week and they got a tough game tomorrow night against Baltimore, they are still, they got one of the best quarterbacks on this list, the best quarterback on Mm -hmm. this list. And so when you're looking at that, you have to say that that's the team that nobody would want to play and you hope that (laughs) uh, Baltimore beats up on them this weekend, uh, tomorrow, and they are unable to, to get back on the right track of things. The team that is most surprising and and I think we all could agree it's the Houston Texans mm-hmm. yeah it's without a doubt they are one game out of the lead in the division in the AFC South they have already beaten the Jacksonville Jaguars head to head they go into Cincinnati last weekend and pick up a huge win and the the few games that they've lost I mean you're looking at their last two games that they lost against the Falcons and against the Panthers they, they lost to them by a total of four points combined both of those games combined so they are a team with a rookie quarterback, with a rookie head coach that is figuring things out. And that AFC South has been for a long time under a division that really is a, is a coin toss, a, a pick it out of a hat to see who's going to win. Stumble into it's it like whoever stumbles into Whoever, winning. Whoever's <laughs> winning towards the end. And again, like I said, they've already beaten Jacksonville in Jacksonville. They got the Cardinals this weekend, and then they play Jacksonville again, which could potentially be for the division lead. And so... I think the Houston Texans are the most surprising team on this list, without a doubt. I think the Texans, too. That is exactly who I have on there. Just because of C.J. Stroud, 
He looks so poised right now. He looks so poised with his abilities for his rookie season. We know that we've been talking about how he's the massive, I believe, person who's going to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year. But now he's getting thrown into the MVP conversations as well because nobody is exactly running away with it at this moment. I think the Texans are a team that have definitely surprised people and the one who also scares you right now with their abilities. What about the Vikings, though? Do you think the Vikings are a team that could potentially do something here? See, I think that they're, I definitely think they can make the playoffs, Brooke, but I think if they're a playoff team, I don't think they'll be able to do anything. They're yeah. six and four, and I could easily see them as a 10 win team. They have two games left with Detroit at the end of the season. They have a pretty easy schedule, actually, and so they could be a 10 win team. But with what they are. They aren't great defensively. They're good. Uh, they, they don't have a great running game. And we really don't know about Dobbs, even though we love him. I can see them making the playoffs, but I can't see them being a team that anybody's really afraid of. I, I feel the same way. And I think that this is a surprise. I mean, when Kirk Cousins went down, you were like, oh, this is a wrap for this team. This season is over. They trade for Joshua Dobbs at the trade deadline, bring him in. He doesn't even know people's his teammates' names mm-hmm. in his first game and goes out and wins that game and then wins the next game. They are they are a team that is extremely surprising, but I don't know that they have enough. Uh, they will get better when Justin Jeff- Jefferson comes back and is healthy, but I don't know that they just they have quite enough to uh, to make a run in the playoffs. Guys, I think the the team that I wouldn't want to play in the playoffs is the Cleveland Browns. They already have the best defense in the league, and now Deshaun Watson is coming around. And they've even though they they lost Nick Chubb, mm-hmm. Ford and Kareem Hunt are fine in the running game. Amari Cooper is still there and a threat. Watson has thrown three touchdown passes and just one pick in his last three games, so he seems to be rounding into form. And we've seen. Deshaun Watson lead teams to the playoffs and lead the league in passing yards even though he didn't have any weapons. If Deshaun Watson is protected and is playing the way he has been capable of in the past, I think that team is a real threat. And by the way, I don't want to dismiss the Steelers here because one thing about the Steelers, number one, they have great defense. Number two, their quarterback in the second half of fourth quarters is a stud. You might not want Kenny Pickett for three and a half quarters, but for the second half of the fourth quarter, you want Kenny Pickett. Well, I want Kenny Pickett to do it all three quarters prior yeah, right. to the fourth. But they're, they're, if they're, I could, they're if six I'm and three. Pick. Yeah, they're, they're six and three because <laughs> of his clutch ability. Yeah, well, they're also six and three. They're, they, they come back in the fourth quarter because of his inability. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> Just yeah. do it the whole game. Yeah. I, I think. The Steelers have figured some things out in terms of running the ball. They've played great defense. Minka Fitzpatrick has been out for the last couple of games with a hamstring injury. But they are a defense that is going to get after the quarterback, create turnovers, and make it hard for a quarterback and an offensive coordinator to try to figure out how to get points. I love what they do defensively. We talked about it. This this AFC North division is the, is the best division in football right now. Mm-hmm. They are. And, and you potentially could have – as crazy as it sounds, maybe all four teams making it into the playoffs and then just the division winners of the other of the other uh, divisions making it. So it's going to be intriguing to see how this plays out. They're, they're going to beat each other up. The Steelers are the only team that's undefeated in the division, too. So mm-hmm. they have that going for them if, if they continue on that path. Now, you guys mentioned Houston. Listen to this Jacksonville schedule. Jacksonville 6-4, and four, and they're really good. They play Tennessee this weekend. Then they're at Houston, tough, home against Cincinnati, Tough at Cleveland, tough home against Baltimore, tough at Tampa, should be a win. 
Carolina at home should be a win, then at Tennessee. So they should be a 10-win team, but, man, they're going to be beat up come playoff time. They're, they're going to go through the gauntlet here. Yeah, yeah they are. The, the, that stretch of four or five games right there where they're playing the AFC North, mm-hmm. those, those games that they have to play, it's going to be a tough battle for them. And then you add in their division rival with the Texans, who I said they've already lost to at home. It's going to be a tough, tough task for the Jaguars, who they're a team that I think everyone picked yeah. to, to win the division and be that team on the rise. One of their receivers just got in a little bit of trouble over the over the weekend, so mm-hmm. they got some they got some things they got to get corrected. All right, so you got to p- be pinned down to one of these teams. I'm taking Cleveland as a team that nobody wants to play. Browns, Steelers, Ooh. Bengals, Jags, Texans, Vikings. Come playoff time. I'm going to just go with the Texans right now. I'm going to ride the hot hand with C.J. Stroud. And you were talking about the schedule. Looking at the Texans' schedule, now they're going to face the Cardinals. Then after that, the Jaguars, the Broncos. The Broncos, I don't think you can exactly discount right now, no, especially defensively, too. what they were able to do. I I still think, though, I, I like what they have cooking with C.J. Stroud right now. This is going to be a homer pick for me. I'm going Pittsburgh. There you go. Nothing wrong There's with that. There's nothing wrong with that. They're yeah. always there. I don't trust the Browns because of Deshaun Watson. Whatever... Whatever magic uh, he lost from from leaving Houston to come into Cleveland, that might be oh, it. Oh, and whatever he lost, <laughs> it's not the same, and he's not the same. I too don't trust Deshaun Watson. <laughs> I said lots of people. Like I this. do not yeah, as well. Yeah, just, so yeah, I don't. I don't be careful trust of his Instagram. Yeah, yeah, fine. I don't no. trust him on the field to do what he's supposed to do. <laughs> So I'm going to go Pittsburgh. All right. Uh, this is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service sex line. I better be into it this time, right? Uh, 314-399-9646. 314-399. Yo-ho! Take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? You can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646 and give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Guys, time for Tioli. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Take it or leave it. Like Dennis Rodman did late in his career, Draymond Green has become a detriment. Oh, oh. leave it. Randy, I need you. I need you all to go look at the video. Rock, especially you, because Rock had the, the 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 he said that Rudy Gobert was just trying to break it up. He grabbed Clay Thompson and was grabbing up hold of him. And so his teammate came and choked the hell out of him. Is, I don't see the problem. Well, here's the thing. Uh, there's a pattern here with what happened in the finals with kicking guys, with punching that Jordan Poole last year. Oh, that was last year. And, uh, <laughs> and Steve Kerr has said that that affected that team all year long. And now you have this situation, and whether it's on the court or off, it is bound to affect that team like Rodman's activities did late in his career. With all due respect, Jordan Poole probably needed to be punched. I, did well, that I saw help the team? Did, did oh, Draymond no, Green's actions benefit the team? Well, he's not there you now. You don't have to punch somebody. You don't have to. You don't have to. You, you probably should not. Sometimes there, you should. But sometimes if you're a grown-up, especially you're, if you're working uh, in a team activity, there are other ways. That, but, Use your words so this to is, go about. That's the difference between this world and that world. Well, and the difference and is when you're in a sports world and that's your job, that's not 
unexpected. Like, that's not something you look at and say, oh, my God, he punched him. People get punched. Well, Kerr, Kerr thought it was a big deal. Who? Steve Kerr, the coach. He thought it was a big deal because we saw it. That ain't the first time Steve mm-hmm. Kerr saw somebody get punched in the face in practice. He saw Tuff get punched in the face I, in practice. Exactly. It's but, not the first time. And that wasn't the first here's, time he saw Here's the thing with Draymond right now. Yeah, it happens. Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan. Is the juice worth the squeeze with Draymond? I think so. I mean, I think you you have to have a guy on your team that is a little bit off and a little bit, you know, uncontrollable to a degree. And then you have to have someone, one person on that team that can control him. The person that can control him is Steph. Steph can tell him, to whoa, and Dre will stop. As, as will Clay. Clay can, but Clay is so quiet, I don't think Clay gives a damn. But Steph can tell him, hey, Chill out. We good. And Dre will snap back into reality, I'm sure, because of the respect that he has for those men. It's about respect. He's going to get a long suspension. He grabbed him around his neck, Mm -hmm. and I didn't have a problem with it. The man shouldn't have touched Clay Thompson. It's not a typical basketball move. Neither Neither is grabbing a bear hug on your teammate. And so... You can't be mad at me for the force that I used in comparison to the force that you used. You were using force as well. Now, if my force is greater, that's a you problem, not a me problem. Were the officials wrong then to throw him out? No. Okay. I, I didn't have I a just, problem I, with him getting thrown out. He was breaking rules. He got thrown out, but Clay got thrown out too. So, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I didn't. I, it, it is it is what it is, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Take it or leave it. Bragging rights game. In a couple of what is it a month now? Uh, yeah, it'll be uh, right before Christmas. Sneaking Sneaking right right he's right going to show down a seven footer. <laughs> Take it or leave it. First Mizzou fan that comes talking now. <laughs> the bragging rights game will be one of the best games that it's been in a few years. I'll take that. Yeah, it'll I, be need, fun. I need. I need. I need the 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 old bragging rights that I knew that I went to. There was literally split half and half mm-hmm. right down the middle. It was the most beautiful thing. Black and gold on one side, orange and blue on the other side. It was just outstanding. The fans were into it. You got the the cheerleader competition where they got to hold the the the, the cheerleader up and grab. see who wins. Like it, it, the fans get into it. It's so a much. it's a wonderful wonderful event, and I'm hoping that we get back to uh you know the the energy that we had years ago. I've enjoyed the bragging rights here in recent years it's because wonderful. there's even been times, as you know, CD, that Illinois should have won or were the favorites mm-hmm. to win, and somehow Mizzou comes out and surprises them. I, I've really enjoyed it, and I think it's important for it to continue here yeah. in St. Louis and to have it here, which I know that it is, but I'm just saying that having that here in St. Louis, it's the perfect situation. And thanks to McBride and Sons for sponsoring the game. It's December 22nd this year, by the way, so plenty of time for Mizzou fans to get to that game and then get down to Orlando or Tampa for their bowl game, too. And also you have wrestling, wait, right? On the, oh, wait. Yeah. Oh, you just snuck that in wait, at the end the, there, right? Wait, yeah. Wait, no, hold on, wait, hold on. He doesn't want you to say anything good about his program. Oh, no, they're playing on New Year's <laughs> Day. It New scares Day. Missouri fans. This, this is the oddest thing about Missouri fans. I'm, I'm sorry, bro. No, you're fine. They, they, they want you to not say good things about their program because it'll jinx them. But the moment you say bad things about it, what are you doing? What, 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 why would you, you, you? Look at what we're doing. Okay, you're going to be great. No, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. It's kind of an odd uh I think they got going. I've picked that up here. It's like you're expecting (laughs) for something bad to happen. So take it or leave it, guys. This is a very uh, interesting quote that came out yesterday. Bob Nightingale um, had this from A's owner John Fisher. He was able to speak to three protesters at the owners' meetings in Texas, and he told them 
It's been a lot worse for me than you. <laughs> take it or leave it. That is one of the stupidest things that you could say. One it. of the most tone deaf things that you could say. I believe he's the richest baseball owner. Yeah, I know it hasn't been bad for you. No. And, and you can afford to build your own stadium. You don't have to ask for those people's tax dollars to build your business facility. Yes, it's the most tone deaf thing ever. Exactly. Uh, the I'm a, here's the thing. So the A's, uh, the A's move to Las Vegas is expected to be approved this week. Mm-hmm. And you're speaking to protesters in that manner. It's been a lot worse for me than you. What are you talking Brutal. about? Yeah. How much money does he have? Whoa. Uh, what? Something like thirteen billion, fourteen yeah. billion, something like that. Uh, we were just talking about the Browns. You may want to take that pick back. Deshaun Watson is out for the season. What? Oh, okay. What they aren't happened? dangerous anymore. Shoulder, shoulder, season-ending oh. oh. shoulder surgery. Oh, there's your career. That's all that guaranteed money down the drain. Shoulders don't get fixed. This is from Cleveland Bro- Browns. Broken wow. Bone. Broken bone in his throwing shoulder. Yeah, he's done. Wow. Uh, so yes, John bone. Fisher's an idiot. <laughs> To go back to that one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wow, that is very interesting about Deshaun Watson. Is a bone a career ender as much as like a ligament or a muscle? That that broken bone, I don't don't think that's... It depends on what structural damage he has underneath that shoulder, that capsule. Take it or leave it. You're concerned that Missouri will have a letdown over the next two weeks against Florida or Arkansas. Oh, totally. Take it. Take it. Sign yeah. every Mizzou <laughs> fan in the world. Yeah. Oh, my God. You all don't even like nice things, man. Uh, no, everybody is. Uh, Michigan's worried about playing Ohio State and having a letdown. Ohio State's worried about playing Michigan. Florida State fans are worried about a letdown. Every single school. Alabama had their Texas experience. They're worried about having a letdown against Georgia. I don't think they have worries like Missouri. Well, that's because they've won before. Missouri fans have never won the championship before. Mm. And they've been in situations like this where the team has not. They allowed 62 to Oklahoma in a Big 12 championship game. So uh, how many did they allow to Auburn when Auburn ran over them? Matthew, oh, they gave up like 500 yards yeah. rushing. Yeah, so it's it's happened to Mizzou. So Amazing. there's a good reason for Mizzou fans to have some trepidation. By the way, uh, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl is one of the projections for Mizzou to take on Tulane. Kyle Bonagura of ESPN has them playing December 30th down in Atlanta. And uh, uh, Mark Schlebaugh has Mizzou and Texas in the Cotton Bowl. So neither of them have uh, Mizzou in Florida. On New Year's Day. Take it or leave it. Neither are Kelsey brothers playing in the Super Bowl this season. Leave it. I'm going to leave uh, that. Jason will be there. Mm-hmm. You don't see Taylor Swift's boyfriend there? Uh, I just don't. I, I This weekend, th- it'll be a uh, an intriguing match. They play the Eagles this weekend, right? They, aren't they playing the Eagles for Sunday, if I'm not mistaken? Is that right? I think so. So, I... Um, Will it be Sunday see. night football? Oh no, uh, Eagles Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. Eagles Monday, Chiefs. Monday Monday night football. Monday, Monday, Monday. Yes. So, I I think the the Eagles are the better team. I actually thought they were the better team in that Super Bowl. They just found a way to not win it. Um, I don't think the 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 Chiefs are going to make it this year. Offensively, it, losing Eric Bieniemy, we talk a lot about. Andy Reid is one calling the play. Eric Bieniemy looks to me like he was the one calling the plays, especially now since his starting quarterback is the leading passer mm-hmm. in the NFL. Maybe he does know a little bit about offense, and maybe that's why this Chiefs offense doesn't look the same. I'll take that. Uh, take it or leave it. Albert Hainsworth's contract just became the second worst in NFL history. Take it. Uh, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. Take it. No doubt about it. Oh. Do you feel bad for Deshaun Watson? No. Nope. Okay. That was quick. I had to ask. He's a pretty good life. 
At 230 plus million guaranteed. Yeah. I'd like to think so. Yeah. Seeing Skip win the National League Manager of the Year, take it or leave it. The Cardinals picked the wrong young manager. I'm going to leave that. Yeah, I'll leave it too. Uh, you don't know how Skip would have performed here. Skip is a he's a Tony guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's a guy that uh, likes to have control, I think, of the situation. He's superb. Not saying that he's not a good manager or that Ali is better or he's better, but he won a manager of the year. Uh, Skip just did. But I don't think that Skip's personality probably would mesh with being the manager of the Cardinals. I think he's probably there's probably a little bit too much pushback there for Skip. I agree. I do wish that he was still a part of the organization because you always hate to lose somebody who is a very important part of the organization like mm-hmm. Skip was. We talked before what he was able to provide. I think that that is a huge loss for the Cardinals, but either way, he was going to go somewhere. And he mentioned before that he wasn't ready to manage just yet, and it seemed like this was the right situation for him, right time, right place for him going to Miami. And if you look at the general lineup, the the lineup that he trotted out there most to win manager of the year, uh, okay, no or not no, catcher Nick Fortas. Uh, First base, Yuli Gurriel. (laughs) Second base, Luis Arise. A couple of batting titles. Uh, Shortstop, Joey Wendell. Third base, uh, Gene Segura. Uh, Left field, Brian De La Cruz. Uh, Jazz Chisholm Jr., who was hurt for most of the year, was their center fielder. Jesus Sanchez in right, Jorge Soler. And then his starting rotation was Alcantara, who got hurt in the second half of the season. Lazardo, who was terrific. Braxton Garrett, Edward Cabrera, and uh, Yuri Perez. Uh, They were... uh, they were not a star-laden squad that uh, Skip led to 84 wins and the uh, the wild card spot. So congratulations to Skip. And that, that's not an affront to Ali or the Cardinals. It's, uh, they were just in different situations. But the year before, when, in Ali's first year, when they won 93 games, he had Adam Wainwright still throwing 180 innings. He had Michaelis having a great year. He had, obviously, Yachty and Albert and uh, Nolan and, and Goldie. little bit different team that Ollie had in his first year as opposed to Skip and his first yeah. year in Florida. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, thank you, Matthew. And thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. Next up, if you're a high-level free agent pitcher with options, do you really want to come to the Cardinals? That's next on 101 ESPN. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. To the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke Carey 
and Randy. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN 807. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. All right, so a lot of free agent pitchers are out there. Not as many as we anticipated there would be at the start of, well, in the middle of the season. Otani got hurt. Urias uh, wound up with legal problems. And so the number of available starting pitchers in free agency has dwindled dramatically. But if you are one of the top guys, if you are Aaron Nola, or if you're Yamamoto, or if you're Blake Snell, or Jordan Montgomery, or Sonny Gray, and you have similar offers from the Cardinals, the Phillies, the Padres, and the Braves. We, we can throw a lot of teams in there. Do you think the Cardinals hold an advantage if everything else is equal over the top teams that were in the playoffs this past season? For The reason this comes up is because apparently Aaron Nola is being eyed by the Atlanta Braves. Mm-hmm. And that's that should be the Cardinals' number one target. Do the Car- Are the Cardinals really attractive for a pitcher right now? Um, probably not as attractive as Cardinals and Cardinal fans think in comparison to some of those other organizations that you just named. If you're the Atlanta Braves, if you are a pitcher and you're looking at this Atlanta Braves team, you're saying, oh, oh my, that's probably. And Aaron Nola, playing in that division, got to see them a lot, knows exactly what that lineup provides. That gives you a, a, a glimpse into what could be helping you instead of hurting you in past years. And so when you're looking at um, all of the things that the other teams have right now, if all things are equal, you might look at a Atlanta Braves, New York Yankees. Maybe you're you're thinking the Cardinals are on the same kind of level as they are right now. But the Atlanta Braves would be probably the most intriguing one, knowing how well 100 plus games won and that they are they just got knocked out in the playoffs and it was just an unfortunate turn of events for them. But they are a really, really good baseball team. I still do believe that Bush Stadium is baseball heaven and so is the Cardinals organization. But from an outsider's perspective, especially if you are a free agent starting pitcher, it looked like baseball hell this season, (laughs) what you were able to experience. The 91 losses also pointing back to everything, that whole public debacle with Wilson Contreras, that wasn't the media blowing up. That is something that it was a message that they put out there that they actually did just, what was it, a little over 30 games into the season. You have your free agent, and that's the key word here, your free agent catcher that you brought into the organization and you tried to move his position. If I am a free agent pitcher, position player, whatever, I paid attention to that story. And when I'm looking at all of the things, whether it's equal or not, I'm looking at how that situation was handled, that would be a little bit of concern. Not that all of a sudden you're a pitcher and you're going to become an outfielder. That, of course, would be absolutely crazy. I hope that that wouldn't happen. But as any free agent, you'll be like, wait a minute. So you're going to spend all this money into in in me, but then if things don't exactly go as planned, then you might move me around or I might go to the bullpen. That doesn't sound like a situation I want to get into. So I think that that would be a big concern. And if I'm a starting free agent pitcher, I would want to know, is that something that is going to be addressed? Are we going to be done with the mixed messages that maybe I saw publicly, the stories that came out this season? Is there going to be a real clear, defined role that I will be able to grow and thrive in? And also maybe what additions are you adding to the coaching staff? Because that's something else that I do believe players pay attention to. You heard Jordan Montgomery mention how much he cared for Maddox and how obviously he followed him around. Those are all different things that players do pay attention to. They want to go somewhere where they know they can thrive and grow. 
There's a piece up at The Athletic by Chad Jennings talking about the supply and demand of pitching. And he lists the supply and the demand. And he has multiple buckets. In bucket one, highly motivated towards highest impact, Braves and Dodgers. He said those two are highly motivated and will outbid anybody for what they want. Dodgers after Otani, Braves apparently after Nola. Bucket two, he lists uh, playoff contenders who lost their ace. Mets, Phillies, Padres, and Twins. He said there are eight job openings, and uh, he said to remain postseason favorites, the Phillies need to either, either re-sign Nola or replace him. The Mets traded away Scherzer and Verlander last season. The Twins lost Gray and Kenta Maeda this winter, and the Padres lost Snell, Seth Lugo, and Michael Waka. Even if the Twins aren't likely to spend lavishly, the Phillies, Mets, and Padres sure might. And then he has organizations with a lot to prove. Red Sox, Cubs, Yankees, Cardinals, who he lists as retooling, and Giants. He said none of these teams made the playoffs, and there aren't exactly small market pushovers either. They're all looking to restore some lost shine. The Giants barely even had a rotation, and that was before Alex Cobb got hurt. The Red Sox and Cardinals have been open about their need for multiple starters. The Cubs could use some impact to top their decent rotation, and the Yankees are the Yankees. So the question is... When the music stops, are the Cardinals going to be able to have one of these top-line guys? I I look at the list of teams that have need and the players that are out there, and that includes Nola, Yamamoto, Snell, Montgomery, Gray, Rodriguez. I think there might be too many teams interested in high-quality pitching for the Cardinals to be able to grab one. That's what we said earlier. I mean, when you had the, the Shohei injury and when you had Urias, when those two situations happened, I said it then, that just shrunk the market of mm-hmm. pitchers that are available and there are more in need than there are more available. So the Cardinals are going to have to play in some waters that they have not shown an ability or a willingness to do in years past. Are you going to go above that number? If it's 25, are you willing to go 27? If it's 27, mm-hmm. are you willing to go 29? If not, you're not going to be able to attain any of these starting pitchers because whatever number one of those organizations that have a a familiarity, a comfortableness of paying that much money or willing to spend, you have to be able to match it. I would be concerned. By the way, let me give you his his tiers of pitchers. Nola, Yamamoto, Snell, and then his tier two, Montgomery, Gray, Eduardo Rodriguez, and Stroman. I'd be concerned about a guy like Marcus Stroman being able to pitch – in July and August when it's 100 degrees here in St. Louis and being able to maintain quality pitching. I think that it would take a lot out of a guy like Stroman who's pitched in Toronto, he's pitched with the Mets, and he's pitched with the Cubs. He's never had to pitch at the, at the big league level with the heat here and try to be a man, the man, in September. So what I'm thinking, CD, along the lines of what you're saying, they need to trade for that number one. They need, need to go and if, if they can get Dylan Cease or somebody else who doesn't appear to be on the radar, radar, get him and then sign from among Imanaga, Lucas Giolito, yeah, uh, Waka, <laughs> Seth Lugo, uh, Clayton Kershaw. That's not happening. Or uh, uh, take two for Jack Flaherty. Probably not. Waka, Waka and Imanaga, probably. So it's going to be hard for the Cardinals. They, they might get starters. But it ain't, you're not going to love it on opening day. No, you're not. And I want to circle back to the Yankees thing, because, CD, you you sent this story last night, and it is very interesting. I know the Yankees have a lot of money to play with, and that is another appealing place mm-hmm. to go to. But the things that Brian Cashman are saying about his players with Stanton, he basically said that he's predicting that he's going to be injured again. And that might be the case, very much so. But still, 
you don't go out and publicly say that because now it starts a whole kerfuffle. And his agent had some comments about things, too, about that whole statement by Cashman. And that's Nolan Arenado's agent, by the way. Exactly. And Yamamoto's. Yep. Yeah. It is. So, yeah, if you're another player or another agent and this stuff is happening, I would think that that will be a real detriment for the Yankees. Brian Cashman is is becoming quickly a detriment for them. He is. Well, I I know we got to get to break, but we can pretend like the Cardinals haven't done the same thing. They have with Wilson Contreras. They have with Tyler O'Neill. They have. It wasn't the GM or the president of baseball operations, but it was someone in that clubhouse or someone in this organization throwing people under the bus. Right. Mm-hmm. So players talk. And so it, it, that's something to keep in mind as well. We, we, New York, oh, Cashman, what the hell is he doing? What the hell have the Cardinals done? Yeah. Because they've done well, something similar. It was just during the season. Yeah. And by the way, George Steinbrenner did that pretty much every day when he was owning the <laughs> team in, in the 70s and early 80s. Uh, that's today's Fresh Take. Coming up, Robert Thomas on the Red Hot Blues on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Thomas, score! Inside the Blues locker room. What a goal by Robert Thomas! It's time now for Blues forward Robert Thomas on the opening drive. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. Drive 101 ESPN. Our jobs are easier and more fun when our teams are winning, and the Blues have won five out of six, and uh, they will play on the West Coast in San Jose tomorrow night. But we thank Robert Thomas, who joins us now here on 101 ESPN, for making our lives better and easier and happier. Robert, good morning, and thank you. How are you doing? Doing well, guys. Thanks. Robert, we talked to you about Pavel Bucinavich last week and his frustrations. Is he feeling a lot better now? <laughs> I think uh, I think he's feeling a lot better. That's usually what a hat trick does. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he's he's feeling a lot better. He's looking a lot better, and not that he wasn't looking good earlier, but uh, just more relaxed and calm. And um, obviously, he's making a ton of great plays right now. So, uh, comes with that confidence. Have you ever been a part of a game where two guys got hat tricks in the same game? No, I think that was my first one. I don't think I've ever seen that before. So that was uh, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. That was awesome that that happened. I'm, I'm looking at your uh, your points. You got your seven games with with a point. H- how have you been feeling uh, with your play? Gosh, last week with the goal streak, now the point streak. Yeah, now I know. We're... <laughs> <laughs> listen, hold on, hold on, Robert. It, it, didn't, it didn't stop anything, so we're not going to even worry about it. You're going to take care of business tomorrow night as well. We believe that. Yeah, no. Fox uh, have, have been going in, and guys have been making great plays. I mean, Perry had a, a great goal last game, and um, but yeah, no, it's been it's been good. I think. You know, our team's rolling. We're getting a lot of chances offensively, and uh, it's been, been fun to be a part of. Now, here's the here's the thing, Robert. After you get your get your eighth point in the eighth game in a row, you have to give the opening drive credit for what happened. <laughs> All right. We'll see how the trip goes. Okay, you just you just gave me a question. Uh, and right. You may not have heard this one before, but we all love David Perron, but is life easier in the room without two guys nicknamed Perry? <laughs> Definitely a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> and it is. Yeah, he was a loud one in the room, too. So <laughs> so when Perron and Pareko were both here, did you have a different name for either Colton or David? Or did you call them both Perry? 
Raspberry. One one kind of like with an A and one kind of with an E. Okay. Right? okay. <laughs> got it. Like Perry and Perry. Okay, got it. Okay. There you go. Robert, I, I want to play off what CD was talking about, about superstitions and hopefully not jinxing you because it has worked out so far. Is there anything that you do that you have a routine? Are you a little superstitious about things? Uh, I'm actually quite the opposite. I'm actually not superstitious at all. Um, actually, <laughs> Kyra told me yesterday. <laughs> Kyra told me yesterday was um, he's like, I think I found your superstition is that you change up everything every day. So <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how that made any sense, but it, it seemed to make sense um, in his head. So I guess that's my my superstition. If it works, it works, right? Well, Robert, I know us media members and fans are a little bit more obsessed with the line combinations and who's with who, but early on in the season, you, Pavel, and Kairou were all together on the top line. Then head coach Craig Bruby decided to split up you and Kairou. What's the difference you've noticed since then? Yeah, just different looks. I think, um, you know, Schenner's been playing really well, so he's been he's been getting them a lot of chances, a lot of puck touches in good areas. So um, just a different look. I mean, um, you know, depending on matchups who you're playing against, um, you know, one of us is going to have uh, a different look and uh, some more chances to score. So I think it's it's worked out really well. Robert, were you 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 got a great assist yesterday to Pareko. Were you surprised when you looked up and saw that it was him flying up the ice uh, to receive that pass? Uh, oh, not really. Uh, he's been he's been skating really well. He's been jumping up in the play. He's confident in it and. Um, you know, I was a little shocked he got that pass. I was a little far ahead of him. I didn't forgot his stick was nine feet long and uh he's like the incredible guy with the long arms. So um but yeah, no, it was uh it was a great play from him. Robert Thomas with us on one on one ESPN. And Robert, you have to compartmentalize. You, you players uh, and we as fans sometimes don't appreciate that you guys have to put last night behind you if if you win or lose. And we have a tendency, especially because we're doing a show the next morning, to have it linger. But that being said, when you're in a streak like you are right now, where you've won five of six, are your days different than when you're in a streak where you lose five of six? Uh, yeah, you're definitely a lot more happy and you get you get some more time off, that's for sure. So uh winning always equals that. So um yeah, it's been been a good streak. I think um most importantly for our team, you know, we're winning the right way, we're playing the right way and everyone's confident in it and uh playing well in our system and it's given us good success. So uh you know, it hasn't been hasn't been a fluke with the winning streak. So uh we're pretty pumped about that. You talk about getting more time off and, and it being a little bit easier, but I got to believe that, that Chief is is really hard whether you're winning or losing. And, and kind of if you're winning, that expectation to continue to do that can be just as difficult as when you're not having good games also. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, no matter how good you play, you can always do better. Uh, and he, he keeps that mindset and always tries to keep building you to, to get better and better each game. So, um, you know, that's the way he rolls and – um, you know, it's found success uh, for the last while. Okay, a couple more things, Robert. Number one, uh, you're going on a trip where you will have, I think, one of those days off in Arizona. Are you guys allowed to take your clubs with you on the road? Uh, not allowed to take the clubs, but uh, I'm sure we'll find a way to get <laughs> there for one day. Yeah, good. And then the other thing is you guys play Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, fly home from Phoenix. Uh, 
on one of those nights on this trip, will you or does somebody get the group together to have kind of a, a Thanksgiving meal, so uh, kind of a bonding meal while you guys are, are out on a long trip like this? Uh, yeah, we're going to have a couple of, uh, of team meals. Um, I think we're going to do Thanksgiving when we get back. I think a bunch of us are getting together, so uh, we'll do it. I believe the day before the Nashville game. So um, we'll, we'll have plenty of time to celebrate it. All right, Robert, last question for me. How's your fantasy football team doing? Oh, what are you looking like? It's, oh, it's been man. a tough year. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Who let you down? Do tell, oh. boy. Let's talk about it. All right. Uh, I took Kelsey and Mahomes first and second round. Okay. Um, so my team name is the Swifties. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> um, there you go. We just haven't haven't clicked. Um, I lost Mike Williams early with injury. That stinks. Yeah. But uh, you know what? I I'm three and seven, so we're we're going in the right direction. I won the last <laughs> two. So. Oh, you won the last two. Well, you are. I won the last Trending two. in the right direction. That's it, a hey, tough yeah, season. It, it ain't pretty. It, it, it ain't pretty. But you know what? It, it's not like. Robert Thomas hasn't been involved with a team like that before, where you, you come out of nowhere and win a championship. It would be an epic comeback. <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us, Robert. Have a great trip, and uh, I don't know if we'll catch you up, catch up to you on the West Coast or not. But uh, if we don't, have a happy Thanksgiving. All right, thanks, guys. You too. Thank you. Take care. That's Robert Thomas, Blues Center, with us on 101 ESPN Blues with a five nothing clean sheet last night. Oh, yeah, oh, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Five nil. Five, five nil. nil. Yeah. Look at us. Yeah, and uh, they'll play in San Jose tomorrow, and the trip takes them to L.A. on Saturday, Anaheim on Sunday. <laughs> and what was that? Yes. Anaheim. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, uh, I didn't know Albert was in studio today. Yeah, so this <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Monday and Tuesday, the Blues have off days in the Valley of the Sun before playing Wednesday night and then coming home for Thanksgiving on, on Thursday. So that's cool that the team's going to get together for Thanksgiving, too. So when the Anaheim Angles go across the country, do they play the Jonkies? They certainly <laughs> do. Okay, I just want to yeah, make sure. They do. And, of course, when they play the Freeway Series, they play the Doyers. Okay, obviously. Yeah. The so, Angaheim against the Doyers. Uh, it is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Did we have a winner in the fight yesterday, or do we nope. need a new fighter? No, no, okay. I think you got four yesterday. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so Thank you for reminding me of that. I got you, buddy. Appreciate that, CD. <laughs> uh, so we need a fight, fighter, and if you want to text in, you can. 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO, with your name and the word fight, and you might be able to fight me if Matthew picks you next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the Opening Drive. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. Am I on? Okay, there you go. Hey, welcome back to the Opening Drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. Our fighter today is Marty. Marty, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing Doing great. Wonderful. Are you ready to take on Randy Carricker? Absolutely. All righty, here we go. In the 2001 Stanley Cup playoffs, the Blues reached the conference final for the first time in 15 seasons. Which team did they sweep in the semifinals? Is it the Stars, the Sharks, or the Avalanche? I will go with the Stars. Which famous draft bus holds the NFL record for consecutive games with an interception thrown at 13? Is it Ryan Leaf, Jamarcus Russell, or Akili Smith? Uh, I will say Akili Smith. 
Rock. Mm, mm, mm. This is a <laughs> terrible question. I, know what, I see what you did here. <laughs> Who saying? holds the all-time NBA record for missed field goals? Is it LeBron, James, Dirk Nowitzki, or Kobe Bryant? Uh, Kobe Bryant. Which 80s defense that did not win a Super Bowl holds the Super Bowl-era record for takeaways in a season? Is it the Seahawks, the Broncos, or the Eagles? Uh, I'll go with the Broncos. All right, we'll double-check our score, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Marty, how you feel? Uh, not good. No. Uh, I was actually going to do my superstition as uh, just be honest on most of them and hope to win. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Robert Thomas didn't know superstition, but my superstition is, is hope and uh, maybe get lucky. Okay. Well, I oh, mean, that, there that's, you, go. you got to do something. It, it's nothing wrong right. with somewhat of a superstition. I feel like everybody yeah, you know. has one, right? No? Everybody. Just me. I mean, don't walk under a ladder, you know? I guess that's yes. probably a good one, but... <laughs> my camera is foggy on YouTube. Or Umbrella? You can't crazy? open that inside a building? On my computer. Oh, well, that's kind of a weird one. What if, the, you know, the sprinklers go off? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Randy, say hello to Marty. Marty, good morning. How are you doing? I'm good, Randy. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. For sure. I'm trying to figure out why my camera looks so blurry on You're YouTube. You're out of focus. That's yeah. what it is. It's a, okay. He <laughs> said foggy. foggy. I was like, wait a minute. What's going on in here? <laughs> just a, it's okay. We're just going to move to the wide shot for the show for now. Your I don't like that one. That one is weird. Like the, the man watching us. <laughs> Big brother. <laughs> All right, ready. Here we go. Ready. In the two, 2001 Stanley Cup playoffs, the Blues reached the conference final for the first time in 15 seasons. Which team did they sweep in the semifinals? I believe it was the Dallas Stars that they uh, swept 4-0. I'm going to go with the Dallas Stars. Stars. Okay. Which famous draft bus holds the NFL record for consecutive games with an interception thrown at 13? That's the record, huh? I thought Matt Schaub set that record a few years ago with like eight or nine. I didn't realize it was a rookie. Uh, Draft bust. That was pick sixes. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I will, uh, I'll do the lifeline here. Your choices are Ryan Leaf, Jamarcus Russell, Akili Smith. Okay. I'm going to, uh, I don't think Jamarcus played enough games <laughs> to do that in his rookie year. Uh, so Russell, Akili Smith, and who is the other one? Ryan uh, Leaf. Ryan Leaf. I'm going to go with Ryan Leaf, I guess, because I don't think that Akili played enough games either. Uh, that was nine, 1999 he was a rookie, correct? Uh, what, can you repeat the question, Brooke? Yes. Which famous draft bus holds okay. the NFL record for consecutive games okay. with an interception thrown at 13? I will, go with, uh, I will go with Ryan Leaf. Who holds the all-time NBA record for missed field goals? Um, it's got to be somebody who hit a lot. Um, I think I'll go, I think I'll go with LeBron. LeBron, LeBron James. I'll go with him. Which 80s defense that did not win a Super Bowl holds the Super Bowl era record for takeaways in a season? Hmm. I'm going to say 
that it was one of the Eagles teams under Buddy Ryan. I'm going to say it was the one that led the, the league in both rush defense and pass defense. And I think it was 1988. I'll go with the 1988 Philadelphia Eagles. We have a tiebreaker in today's fight. So let's go to the rules really quickly. Marty, I'm going to read today's fight question. We're going to give a moment for Randy Carricker to write down his answer. We will then get your answer audibly. Randy Carricker will then say his answer and show us on the cameras. And whoever is closest to the pin is walking away as the winner of today's fight. Marty, do you understand those rules? I understand the rules. Randy, do you have paper ready? I do. Lindenwood paper. Oh, how about Lindenwood University? Wait, the you, Lindenwood. I'm going to put a little. Did you run out of Rams paper? Uh, <laughs> I, I've got some. Okay. There. See. Now look. See. The, oh, there you go. I like that. The Lindenwood University. Wow, watermark too. Fancy. Yeah. Uh-huh. How many games was UCLA's record-setting winning streak in the early 70s? How many games was UCLA's record-setting winning streak? In the early 70s. Sorry, uh, Randy, do you have an answer? Can you show me? Can you show it to me? Okay. Are you sure about that? No. Okay. <laughs> Marty, do you have a guess, sir? Oh, I got a guess. I'm going to be way off. I'll go with 37. Randy Carricker, yeah. can you hold up your guess and say your guess, please? Uh, my guess was 88, <laughs> Matthew. Do a quick little, quick little. I got to do some math. Do I don't do math? Do some math. Carrie, can you hand my calculator? Mathing? Okay, here you go. I think he was alive in the 70s, so let's see. <laughs> We have a winner in today's fight. Was Randy Carricker closest to the pin, or does Marty take him down on this hump day? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. Well, Randy, Randy, you didn't hit the jack on the, the, the whole fight, but you did, in fact, hit the jack on the uh, tiebreaker because UCLA's record-setting win streak in the early 70s is? 88. 88 games. John Wooden, uh, Bill Walton, and, of course, uh, before that, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, setting that record Sander. there. What is so, Lou uh, uh, Yeah, Sander. He would have been Lou when he was there. So, Marty, you took him uh, to a tiebreaker with a 2-2 tie, but, unfortunately, he beat you in the tiebreaker today. And, oh, by the way, little note for you. The last loss for UCLA before that 88-game winning streak started was to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. When the winning streak ended, it was to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I love that. I love that stat. Let's go through the questions and the answers. Uh, In the 2001 Stanley Cup playoffs, the Blues reached the conference final for the first time in 15 seasons. They did, in fact, sweep the Dallas Stars four games to nil in the semifinal to go on and lose to the Avalanche. Which famous draft bus holds the NFL record for consecutive games with an interception thrown at 13? It is, in fact... Uh, Ryan Leaf, John Skelton made a run at it in 2012 when he was the uh, quarterback for the Cardinals uh, because of injuries. He made a run at it. He went for 12 and then did not throw a pick Impressive. in the 13th game. By the way, in the 30, th- in the 30 interception campaign by Jameis Winston, three whole games where he did not throw a pick. I was wow. shocked by that. Who holds the all-time NBA record for missed field goals? It is one Kobe Bean Bryant. Uh, second on the list is, in fact, LeBron James. Kerry didn't like that question one bit. <laughs> and which <laughs> after, yesterday, after yesterday when Kerry said, <laughs> I, you're giving me points for my LeBron argument. I was like, well, let's let's find another point. Which 80s defense that did not win a Super Bowl holds the Super Bowl era record for takeaways in a season? Number two on the list is, in fact, the 88 Eagles. Number one all time, the 1984 Seattle Seahawks wow. forced 68 takeaways with 38 picks and 30 fumble recoveries in 1984. The Seattle Seahawks, the answer there. So a 2-2 tie and then Randy Carricker with a tiebreaker win. Marty, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today. 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a great day. Thank, Thank you, Marty. Thank you. Good to have you with us. Yeah, Marty. Yes. Yeah, Marty the party. Marty the party. Marty the party. <laughs> we used to have a Marty the party. We did. Marty's, yeah. Marty's my guy. Oh, yeah, he's man. a good guy. Mm-hmm. Coming up here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN, yesterday the Buffalo Bills got rid of their offensive coordinator. Does scapegoating an assistant coach during the season ever really work? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. There's a pretty good reason for it. And a lot of times, the head coach is trying to stay ahead of the posse, so he'll get rid of a coordinator. Uh, remember, it happened here at Mizzou with Barry Odom, his first year. Uh, he had Damati Cross as his defensive coordinator, and it wasn't working out, so he fired him. And it didn't really change the way the defense performed. The reason that this comes up is because Ken Dorsey was fired as the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. Ten games into a season... I don't know that Joe Brady, their new offensive coordinator, the interim offensive coordinator, is going to make that much of a difference. CD, you know, because you played the game at the highest level. Can changing a coordinator during the season fix what ails the Buffalo Bills? No. It's basically, it's generally like the the first part of the domino that's going to start sending everything over is the head coach is, is on his way out soon. And because you're essentially finding someone, Ken Dorsey has not thrown one pass this season. He has not stand, stood in the pocket and faced one rush and looked down the rush. He has not fumbled the ball. He has not turned the ball over in the pocket. All of those things are Josh Allen. And so I talk about it all the time. Players have to play better. Otherwise, coaches get fired. Ken Dorsey got fired. Not, I mean, there were probably some things where, you're looking at it and say, yes, yeah, Stephon Diggs should be targeted more. You should find a way. His last few games, he hasn't had enough targets or had enough catches. you got to get your best player of the football. But at the same time, your best player on the team, which is your quarterback, the highest paid player, has to take care of the football. There was a throw against the Broncos the other night where – you know, he threw it to the sideline. It was a deep out route, and it was so late and off target, and it got intercepted. Ken Dorsey, when he called that play, did not say, hey, take as much time as you need in the pocket, brother. <laughs> Throw it late to the out- inside instead of the outside, and we'll see what happens. That's not what he was coached up to do. He was coached, when you get to your your, your fifth step, drive the ball to the outside and make sure you're on time. And those things didn't happen. And so there's an interception. And now Ken Dorsey is looking for a job because his quarterback has not taken care of the ball well enough. And again, here's the other thing. Ken Dorsey doesn't call defense. He didn't have anything to do with the field goal block. And they had 12 people on the field. And all of those things are head coach related. And so, yeah, the the OC loses his job, but it's not going to change who they are offensively. Mm-hmm. That team is not really good right now, and it starts with the quarterback play, and the head coach is going to lose his job because of it as well. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that with Ken Dorsey, you know, it's a situation where somebody did have to go. It's changes needed to be made here, and you never root for somebody to lose their job. But this is a results business, right? And the results were not there. The offensive production was not there. And the offensive regression has been something that was noticeable this season. CD, you talked about Brian Dable and what he was able to bring to this offense schematically and his creativity. You were able to see that in action. That explosiveness really hasn't been there for the Bills this season. How do you explain that regression? 
production from the offense. It's you got it's the quarterback. He has to get the ball to his playmakers and if you are unable or unwilling to to get the ball to your guys, you're not going to have as much success as you normally would. This this team, we talk about the window closing. I, I mean, it's barely cracked open at this mm-hmm. point. They are they are struggling to keep it open and that's going to cost Sean McDermott his job as well. It's just it's how business and how football goes. It's not fair. It's unfortunate. But when your quarterback is being paid the the chump, chunk of the salary and he's not performing at the level that you need him to, you, you have no chance to win or be successful in this league. And that's essentially where the Buffalo Bills are right now. Their quarterback isn't playing well enough. He's leading the league in turnovers and in 10 games. And it's it's not good enough for this team to win. And until that happens, and, and to, to be fair, the Buffalo Bills have lost players, key players, Matt Milano, Trey White, mm-hmm. in their secondary at that linebacker core that definitely takes a takes a toll on you as a defense. But when your quarterback is paid as high as he is, you have to take care of the ball. And it's a problem in that offense. It's a problem on that team. It's not that he's trying to turn it over. He just is. Mm-hmm. And it's killing him. And that, that's the thing, though, is that when you have that aggression, everybody's going to be looking towards what exactly is going on. And I think that Dable was somebody that was very well respected, respected and his, the way that he was able to really elevate the players, I think, is something that you could point to because you've mentioned it before being a me, the way that he was able to really change things with the Chiefs, and we've seen that aggression. You could also point to Tyree Kill, but I do think that sometimes it does matter. Coaching can matter in that situation, and the Bills have just looked like they have lacked that creativity, and so now they're in a situation where they're going through like an elimination diet, right? you got to figure out where that stubborn fat that's holding you back is coming from, <laughs> and that's what you're doing right now. You're getting rid of that OC, and I do not think, and I, I do think, that McDermott is going to be not that far behind. No, and he's calling the defensive plays, by the way. Yeah. He kind of pushed uh, Leslie Frazier out. But here's the other thing about changing a coordinator. Everything that they have offensively, they're going to change their offense. Everything they implemented happened in April and May, <laughs> right? The and then in training camp. Right, so nothing is going to ch- change in terms of the plays that they're running, maybe philosophically how or, or when they run certain plays. But to your point, CD, you're still going to have the same plays in place that Josh Allen is throwing interceptions out of. Well, well here's the thing. Those plays that are being called generally are the plays that the quarterback feels most comfortable being called. Mm-hmm. Those are the plays. As a coordinator, I should not call plays that my quarterback has no clue of where, what, how to understand the coverage versus this, this route combination, where the ball should be going when he gets to his third step or his fifth step. I have to have a conversation with him, and we're calling plays that he feels comfortable with. Brady is going – Joe Brady is going to do the same thing. What do you feel comfortable with? Okay, let's call those plays. Don't turn the ball over, man. Throw it to the right guy. <laughs> but that's the thing is that doesn't Josh Allen look like a deer in the headlights this season? He doesn't mm-hmm. look comfortable out there. He doesn't look confident. So what does that mean with Ken Dorsey? Was he implementing something, a system that they really relied heavily on Josh Allen just running around and just slinging it down the field? And he has looked so uncomfortable at times this season. And I think you, you have to rein him in. He probably was given a little bit too much leeway in terms of being able to run around and not play within a structure. And it, that goes back to what I talk about with him being just like Brett Favre. But to an extent, Holmgren was able to rein Favre in, and Brian Dayball was able to do that with Josh Allen. They're going to have to get a stronger voice for Allen, but getting Joe Brady during the season is not going to be 
the answer. It's the opening drive. Brooke, Carrie, and Randy coming up. Our Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 902 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, Matthew Rocchio, and your St. Louis Blues have now won five of six after a 5-0 clean sheet against the Tampa nice. Bay Lightning last Ooh. night at Enterprise Center. Blues were very, very impressive. Colton Pareko, Perry, scoring a, a goal early on. And then, uh, what's Kyra's nickname? Um, oh. Yeah. Ruru? Kyra? No. Jordan? Uh, every time I hear it's Kyra, Rousey, I, I or... think of... Rousey? I think of the song, Caillou, Caillou. So anyway, it was 2-0 Blues. It's, uh, a, when, it's something. I yeah. I should know this yeah. off the top of my head, but okay, I cannot well, remember right now. Rousey might Rousey. be. Rousey. It is Rousey. Okay. Yes. Uh, is then uh, yeah. with the two nothing league lead, uh Jacob slash Yakub made it three nil. Blues bring it to Krug. He goes back far wing Missed on a glorious opportunity earlier in the game. Also, Kevin Hayes almost put one by the Tampa Bay goaler, but couldn't. It could have easily been a seven or eight nothing win for the Blues. But five nothing is good. The Blues have now won five of six. They're still in the second wild card spot, but they're only a point out of third and second in the Central Division. Jordan Biddington with the clean sheet. What did he think? It's a team, uh, you know, that you're, you're proud to be a part of. I think it's been uh, a month or two uh, of just working hard and buying in, and um, it's nice to see some some results uh, coming our way, and then we're just, you know, staying patient and playing together and trusting the system, and um, then we get rewarded. I'm sure Bennington is very appreciative of the 26 block shots. Oh, you betcha, eh? Eh? <laughs> eh. Yeah, no doubt about it. But Binner also, against one of the more explosive teams in the National Hockey League, comes up with the clean sheet. Anyone who watched the game knows how strong we played tightly defensively, and um, we were patient, and then we capitalized on our chances uh, in the second half of the game. So, um, you know, it's a couple good games in a row here, and uh, we got to just stay focused. Stay focused, keep winning. Keep winning. So that would seems be pretty simple. We like winning. Stay focused, have energy, have effort. Go out there and do your job. Yep. Do and, what you're coached to do. And now a four-game trek coming up. You've got San Jose. Mm-hmm. You've got Anaheim. You've got L.A. And you've got Arizona. All winnable hockey games. There I you agree. go. You just have to execute the plan. I was trying to do uh-huh. some more coach speak to add to That's that. That's good. I like it. Execute the plan. Yeah. got to get that done. Good. To keep winning. And somebody said it's Ruzi, by the way. Ruzi. Ruzi. Okay, well, I was thinking Rousey. Ronda Rousey, okay. Uh, last night, the Fighting Illini had a great opportunity to beat Marquette. Fell to the uh, Marquette Golden... Golden... Eagles. Eagles. Oh, wow. It used to be the Marquette Warriors. Uh, but now nerd. it's the Golden Eagles. 71-64 was the final in that game. Uh, the I-L-L-I-N-I fall to... Uh, Marquette. Meanwhile, football news this morning. Deshaun Watson out for the season undergoing shoulder surgery on a bone in the shoulder. Ow. Not great. No. Not great. I mean, and, and, and surgery is not necessary here. What is it? What Massage is, will take care of it. Oh, I don't know that no. that's going to be sufficient, Randy. I think Randy. he needs 
something needs to be surgically repaired under okay. there. Okay. Which is not great. I mean, so he's he's out for the year, but yeah. hopefully he'll get better. Hopefully he'll return to uh, the form that he displayed. Hopefully this will all just result in a happy ending. Stop. <laughs> I do have a serious question. Oh, you do. Okay. Okay. Wait, is he banned wait, from wait getting massage massages? I believe it's and in his contract. I'm being dead serious because yeah, he would no, need massages. No, it's in his contract that he has to get them from team employees. Oh. Oh. He can't go outside the building. Helpful. Are you serious? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, is that sense. better or worse? I don't yeah, know. You got to do. But I, I think that you know he is. Uh, this was the same shoulder that caused him to miss a game, if I'm not mistaken, right. earlier this year. So Coach clearly, there was something there, there, and mm-hmm. and now you know broken bone, probably some ligament damage underneath that he's got to get repaired, and we'll see how he's able to to come back from that because obviously he needs his shoulder to be able to throw the football, and he hasn't looked great in his time in Cleveland. And I wonder if that's something that's just been lingering and it finally just, you know, enough was enough. The Browns defense bought them time and Watson time. I feel like this season, especially Miles Garrett and everything that he's done, Mm -hmm. he's been a monster this season for the Browns defense. So when you look at this contract, and of course we don't know whatever's going to happen with Deshaun Watson in the future, is this going to go down as one of the worst contracts in NFL history? Yes. If if he's unable to take them or get them to the playoffs or get them, you know, in a playoff run type of type of type of atmosphere. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because they paid a lot of money for what they believed was the one thing that they were missing. And looking at their team, obviously Nick Chubb going down earlier this year hurts. But looking at this defense, look at what they had offensively coming into the season. You were thinking that this could be a team that makes a run here. And now your starting star running back is out for the year. Your starting quarterback is out for the year. Defense is playing at an high, at an extremely high level. Miles Garrett is one of the best players. Mm-hmm. Forget about defense, best players in the league. But they got to have somebody that they can throw the ball downfield and and mm-hmm. you know make some big plays. College football last night, the college football playoff selection committee unveiled their latest rankings. Georgia passes Ohio State to be the number one team in the land. Michigan three, Florida State four, undefeated Washington five. The two-loss team that's the highest ranked in the country is your Missouri Tigers at eight and two. They're number nine in the country, ahead of nine and one Louisville. And yep. by the way, Louisville is the one team that could thank you, Brooke. Yes, well, thank huh? you for getting that correct because Louisville. that is a big, big issue in the South. You can't say Ville. Right, Louisville. Ville. That's Louisville. how you weed out who is actually from the South or not. What about Knoxville? <laughs> is it Knoxville? Knoxville. Okay, good. Shelville. Nashville. Nashville. Really? Louisville. How about Nashville? No. Okay. Uh, so anyway, Mizzou is ahead of Louisville. And Louisville, by the way, is they could upset the apple cart because they will play Florida State in the ACC championship. So that'll be interesting. So Mizzou is ahead of Louisville. Oregon State is also 8-2. and two. They're ranked number 11. So the Tigers are on a collision course with a New Year's Day bowl game. For them. How exciting is this? And we yeah. already, I know that we had somebody in the Take It or Leave It earlier that's like, predicting that something bad is going to happen. Enjoy this moment. I honestly thought Man. I honestly thought that they would probably check in at 11. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if the committee would fully kind of pay attention how they would really view this Tennessee win, which it was a very dominant Tennessee win. They deserve to be up there, but the fact that you get over Louisville in that situation, mm-hmm. a 9-1 team, 
I think the committee is really paying attention to Mizzou and what they're doing this year. And I didn't think that they would do that sometimes. Because right. sometimes there's some teams where you're like, how exactly is this panning out in this way? Right. And now the recruiting is, as Eli Drinkwitz mentioned a couple of days ago, and we talked about yesterday, the, the recruiting is improving. The team is on national TV, and not every game's on national TV. But now they're in primetime spots like CBS at 2.30 or ESPN at 6 o'clock against Florida. Yesterday the line was Mizzou by 11. Now the line's Mizzou by 11.5 over Florida for the 6.30 start on Saturday at Faroe Field. Now here's the, the, the important thing for Missouri. Finish this season out the correct way. If you make it to if you make it to a bowl game, not if when you make it to a bowl game, finish that out as well. Play your best play players. Play your best players. Play play to win, and then guess what? You get to do it again next year. That's where that's what separates the teams that are really really good from the teams that just have those flash in the pan type of years. Is the consistency of doing it year after year. You have to finish this season out. You got to beat the hell out of Florida. You got to be beat the hell out of Arkansas. And then whoever you play in the bowl game should be a good team that you're matching up against. That's recruiting. Play well. Do well. Mm-hmm. Then get your get your guys in there and then rinse and repeat for the 24 season. That's Mizzou's. That's their task right now. Finishing this one out. Mm-hmm. And then doing what they need to do in the offseason and preparing for 24. And then having another season like this. Hopefully another 10-win season like this. And that's what will shift your program in the right direction. Is it Mm -hmm. bad for me as a Mizzou fan to hope that Mizzou drives the final nail into the Sam Pittman coffin at... uh... In no. Arkansas, that, no, that no. nail is already deep into that oh, coffin. Okay. I can okay. promise you that Arkansas fans is it, are. Is it, uh, is it open or is it closed? Oh, it is close. <laughs> close. It shut. is close. Now Trouble? the debate in Arkansas is which was worse, the Chad Morris hire or the Sam Pittman hire. Which is I Bielema think the Chad Morris. Well? Huh? Is Bielema on that list? You know, I think that they like. I think Bielema. they well, they didn't like him at the time. I can tell they you that like for like sure. Uh, Towards the end, yeah. Well, who they? Petrino was their guy. Petrino has always been a hot topic in Arkansas. <laughs> also, oh, I'm so mad that I missed that era, too, that I wasn't there, especially for that iconic press conference. With the it's, it's the greatest photo in history. <laughs> it is. I should have been there for uh, that. The department that had to be pulling their dang on hair out. Like, don't. That's you got to tackle a guy and say, hey, man, I told you don't do this. That's Stop. what they said, is that they tried to advise him not to do it, and he wanted to do it anyway. You tackle him. You get him on the ground. <laughs> Get up enough. Roll them over. <laughs> eat. You gotta go. You gotta go. <laughs> there you have it. That's your rush hour reset on 101 ESPN. Coming up, going to talk more blues hockey with our friend Jamie Rivers from the Fast Lane and also blues analyst on Bally Sports. Rivers next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Brooke Carey and Randy, Jamie Rivers joins us. He is behind the bench for Blues games. The Blues started off 3-4-1, and one, and now they've won five out of six. And uh, Rivers, first of all, good morning. Second of all, how did you turn things around from the bench down there? Well, yeah, you know, Randy, I just had a real good talk with the guys and uh, said, listen, guys, uh, let's not lose anymore. And it seems like it's worked. It's exactly. working really well. 
<laughs> yeah, they're playing really good hockey right now. Rivs, Jamie, I was looking at the game last night, and the the defenseman had a had had a really good game. Pareko scored a goal. Tory Krug made two excellent passes for goals. What did you think? What have you thought about the defenseman uh, over these last few games? Well, honestly, I think they've been really good all year. Mm-hmm. You, know, you go back to even the beginning of the season, game one, and they played solid. They've been really good. Now the production maybe wasn't there for someone like Tory Krug early on. But they've been solid defensively as a group. And you're seeing recently in the last couple of games where it's really evolving. They're adding offense to it. Colton Pareko's playing, in my opinion, the best hockey of his career. And that, that, for me, that's including the 2019 Stanley Cup run where he had a, a partner named Jay Bowmeister. That did help a lot, obviously. Right now, you know, Pareko is the catalyst of that defensive floor. Every breakout is on his toes, is up the ice. He's defending. He's a monster to play against right now. Just love his game. Jamie, you being a defenseman, which one did you enjoy more, scoring a goal or just laying somebody out? Um, wow. They both have different feelings of joy, Gary. Um, <laughs> I, as a younger defenseman, obviously I love to score. And when I came into the NHL as an offensive guy, uh, then that changed into being more physical. So – I got to celebrate the physicality a little bit more. And let's be honest, I could get four or five hits a game. I wasn't getting four or five goals a game. So. <laughs> That's good, Jamie. Well, Jamie, I know that I asked Robert about this earlier, and I want to get your perspective on this because it seems like Craig Bruby, I know that us media members and fans get really excited about the line combinations and who is with who. But early on the season, as we know, they had Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, and Pavel Buchnevich all together, and then Bruby went to split them up with Cairo going to the second line. What is the b- biggest difference that you've noticed recently with that? Because it just looks like a more well-balanced top six. Well, I think stylistically, it makes more sense. you know. And, and sometimes just putting the best players together doesn't always work because they're maybe too similar in style. And I think that's what was happening early on with Cairo, Thomas, and the Savages. They all play a very similar way, and you needed someone a little more streamlined, a little more north-south on that line. And I feel like Braden Shen's case, they needed someone that was a little more dynamic on their line. And so since they've made the change, it's really picked up the offense for everybody. And it just seems like the chemistry is really, really good from, from the point where Craig Ruby made the change. And it's not easy to make those changes because as a head coach, you're sitting there going, yeah, if I make this change and it doesn't work, now what? So Craig Ruby obviously had enough confidence that this would work. And he knew these players could probably mesh together pretty good. And he made the right decision. Jamie Rivers with us on 101 ESPN Rivs. When the Blues come home after this trip for their next homestand, they'll have reached the quarter pole of the season already. They'll have 20 games under their belt after the, their next homestand. How important are the standings right now? Because uh, every morning I talk about how the, if the playoffs started today, the Blues would be in them. Last year by this time, we were kind of saying uh, they're out of it. So how important is it to maintain either being in or close to a playoff spot? I think it's I think it's imperative. And you know what Randy what's weird about this is, you know, I never looked at the standings until after January as a play because you're like such a long season and you can get so wrapped up in it. But now I feel like today's NHL because there's so much parity 
that you're able, you're, you have to stay focused on where you're at because a two or three game losing streak can take you in the wrong direction in a hurry. And whereas you've seen right now with the Blues, you know, winning five of their last six games has got them in a wild card spot right now. So I don't think you get hyper-focused on it as a player or as a coaching staff. <clears throat> I think for me, the best way to do it is to kind of segment things out. We talked about this before, just individually for players, kind of five-game segments. As a team, I'd kind of be doing the same thing and try to make sure that you set the goal, you know, where it's three wins every five games. It doesn't sound like, oh, that's not all that great, but it's about 500. And when you do the math over the course of a full hockey season, that makes a big difference for your hockey team. Jamie, what have you seen from Kasperi Kapanen this season and his progression? Wow, I love his speed. I mean, he can he can flat out just motor. And that's why, for me, that's why he's really worked on that line is because he brings that straight-ahead speed. He's a smart hockey player. He's not afraid to get in the corners. He's not afraid to defend. Yeah, he's one of our best penalty kills. I mean, every time he's on the ice, between him and Pavel Buchnevich, whenever they're on the ice, they're a threat to score a goal on the penalty kill. So I really like Kasperi Kapanen's game a lot. Okay, Riv, so you got a four-game trip out west, San Jose, L.A., Anaheim, Arizona. What's your favorite spot? Oh, L.A., man, come on. <laughs> were L.A. You, were you on the ice when Holly, no, you were, when Holly wouldn't come off the ice? I know you've heard the story. But were, you, you were, oh, yeah, we're not going to overtime in L.A. We've got two minutes. Tell, tell the story. Uh, we were down by a goal in L.A., in uh, no, we're up by no down by a goal. Let's I think you're, you're tied, right? The tie tie game. Yeah, we end up being tied, and so <laughs> Holly was supposed to not be on the ice because we were playing for the tie at that moment. You know, getting a good road point. There was no over or there was overtime, but it was five on five. And anyway, Brett Hall jumps on the ice and calls off Ronnie Sutter at that point. And Ronnie was, you know, a good defensive guy, solid guy. He'll get us that tie, you know. And Holly calls him off the ice. And the coaching staff is like, what the hell is he doing? And Ronnie's like, what are you doing? He's like, just get off. I got this. I got this. <laughs> so literally, Holly makes the line change and then goes down. We puck drops. He goes down and scores. And he doesn't really even celebrate. He skates to the bench and looks at all of us and goes, we're not going to overtime in L.A. <laughs> he, wanted to, uh, he wanted to get to the local watering hole a little quicker than going to overtime. <laughs> oh, those were the days. Ribs, have a great trip. Keep up the great work. We're loving watching you on Bally, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Thanks a lot, man. Have a good one. Thanks, brother. Uh, Jamie Rivers on 101 ESPN. He will... Uh, be with you from two to six. And there's a little more to the story because Brian Sutter was the Blues coach. Obviously, Ronnie, his brother. And so Ronnie sends him out again. And Hully comes on the ice with like 220 left in the game, tie game. Uh, and uh, so he kicks Ronnie off. Uh, Brian sends Ronnie out again. Hully says, get, th- get out of here. <laughs> so Ronnie comes back and Hull- uh, Sutter says, well, Brian, what are you doing? He said he wouldn't let me play. <laughs> so next stoppage. Uh, Brian is yelling furiously at Hully, waving his arms, and uh, Hull isn't even looking at him, and uh, takes another 40-second shift. So now there's like a minute 
20 left in the game. Hully scores with like 59 seconds left. And then, as, as Riv said, skates back, we are going to overtime in L.A. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks to you. Oh, I got yeah, plans, so, yeah. brother, that don't include the rest of this game. How, I got to go. How good is that? Yeah. How good is that guy that he can decide whether or not the game is going to go to overtime or not with his Beautiful abilities? Thing. I love that. Maybe everybody should keep that in the back of their mind sometimes, right? Where yeah. you just say, hey, I, I'm sure there's other cities. Is there a city, CD, that you're like, oh, we got we to go? I mean, L.A. Go. is Definitely Miami. Oh, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, unfortunately for us, we left right after the game. So yeah. your choice was either to do something the night before, which oh. eh, probably ain't good. But you know, after the game, you gotta you gotta go. But, Not if you're Tony Banks. Nah, you, you might some a few people that can stay around. Yeah, well, stay in the city. Tony Banks, the Rams quarterback, uh, second year, decided to stay in Miami. <laughs> shouldn't do go returning the quarterback of the team. Yeah, you shouldn't do that. Yeah, decides to plane, stay in Miami and not come home with the team because his girlfriend's birthday party was taking place that night in Miami. Yeah, you should probably uh, get on the plane. Those are wrong priorities. And, by the way, Tony matured and he's a great guy. Uh, but I remember asking him. Uh, on the Wednesday after the open media session, we were talking about it. And I said, well, he, he said, you know, I regret it. I, I shouldn't have done it. I should have come home with the team. And I said, well, what about the concept of just going to work? And he goes, well, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you got to ask for forgiveness, man. I, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I know I'm going to get punished. Yeah. I'll deal with that later. Yeah. yeah. Coming up on 101 ESPN, Tony LaRusso would always tell us, hey, uh, we're going to get away from analytics and it's going to circle back and we're going to be teaching baseball again. Looks like it's happening. We'll tell you the latest next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Former Angels closer Troy Percival was injured and thought he had ended his career after the 2005 season with the Angels. 2006, he took the year off, and then uh, during the offseason, before the 2007 season, he was uh, working with a member of the Cardinals, working out, and his arm felt good, and he wound up signing with the Cardinals, had a great season, and they helped resurrect Troy Percival's career. Well, he spent most of his career as a member of the Angels, and the Angels brought him in to work with some of their young pitching uh, earlier this offseason. And he said that uh, he was frustrated by what he saw. And it wasn't that the pitchers, with the pitchers, or how they were throwing. It was rather, according to The Athletic, how technology was being used by people in player development. He said, quote, I'm not one that's big on using iPads. He said, I understand it. I had to understand it through college coaching. I just feel like we need to have coaches with eyes that can see things and put their hands on people and fix them. It's really difficult to look at an iPad, and I think... Uh, that and think that that can make adjustments that need to be made. Uh, the Angels, after those comments, let go of two of their highest-ranking pitching instructors in their farm system, pitching coordinator Buddy Carlisle and to pitching performance coordinator Dylan Axelrod. And this offseason, they've made other moves that could signal a significant shift in their pitching program, both in personnel and strategy. Those changes include the dismissal of an analytically inclined member of the front office, the rehiring of a pitching coach who had been reassigned off the coaching staff a year ago, and the possibility of letting a driveline-trained coach leave the organization. This all in addition, of course, to hiring rather old-school manager Ron Washington. And Chris Carpenter works with the Angels organization. When he was asked on the last day of the season what he was doing for the Angels, he said, I'm teaching throwers how to pitch. 
I wonder if maybe baseball, with what we saw with the Rangers winning the World Series and the success during the regular season of the Atlanta Braves and the success of Dusty Baker, I wonder if baseball is finally circling back to actually having coaches that coach and don't have to rely on technology to try and make their players better, which is kind of a dicey proposition, at least from my viewpoint, in, in trying to make the players the best that they can be. That's what I believe is happening. It's all about trends, right? And that's the trend the direction that everything is moving in. Bruce Bochy and what he was able to do this season for the Rangers, everything was led by his gut instinct, and that paid off. The experience paid off. The experience he had in his dugout paid off. Did you see any iPads in that dugout? No. Did you see any? Don't think Did so. you guys see any? No, I didn't really see any. And I think back to, remember that interview that we played a while back with Brian Snicker with the Braves, where he talked about how there is a place for analytics, and you can't just completely eliminate it. That's not what we're talking mm-hmm. about here. There is a time and place. But then when it came to the actual game planning and game situations, then gut instinct is what kicks in. And you're seeing how that has paid off for teams and how that is the trend that is coming back into style, which is weird to say that old mm-hmm. ways are coming back, but that's exactly what's happening here. And clearly, Albert Pujols used it as a tool, right? But Mark McGuire says, and I, I trust Mark McGuire as a hitting coach. I, I think he's one of the best hitting coaches ever. He says that players, kind of like with any other sport, players should know everything about what they're going to watch on video by the time they get to the ballpark. That should all be done before the game starts or before they get to the ballpark so that you can use your mind rather than relying on the immediate gratification of an iPad. Well, the the iPad, it, it doesn't, the only thing that's going to prepare you for live action is live action, right? You you can use those things to help you kind of decipher what to do and what not to do, but you you then have to go out there and react in a in a, in a moment's notice. So I think that you're starting to see baseball people understand that yeah, the the analytics do serve a purpose. There is a place for it, but I can't be solely analytical based on what we talk about at two p.m. And compare it to what's actually happening at 8.30 p.m. Because those are two totally different things. I may have a, a – was it Tori Lovello talked about, oh, this this game went perfectly. I'm going to save yeah, this sheet. Script, yeah. How yeah. many sheets have you saved, sir? Because I would guarantee that might be the one and only. Because things change and, and it's fluid. And so you have to be able to adapt and adjust. And, you know, there are times where if you are so adamant that we're going to stick to the script, we're going to stick to the script, and things change – that's how you lose games. Now, one of the issues that baseball is running into, and I had a conversation with Ali about this, is by the time players, if they're 18, 21, they get to pro ball, they've been using that technology since they were five or six years old. When a pitcher is trying to go max effort, those coaches that are coaching those kids when they're 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, they're using that technology. So the kids are almost addicted to that technology. So I think what has to happen in baseball is when you get those young players into pro ball, you have to immediately wean them off or maybe even have them go cold turkey and say, look, that's not the way we do things in the pros. We actually coach you up so that you have to be a human being because this is a game about men not machines. And I know that'll be hard for a lot of people, but ultimately, I think that's how the the best athletes, and we haven't always had technology, but even now, if you look at the best players, they aren't reliant upon technology as much. If you look at the way Max Scherzer has performed over the last five years, does he count on technology? No. Does Verlander count on technology? I'm just talking about pitchers here. 
did Albert need technology? No, he was pretty good in 2001, 2003, 2004 when he didn't have that technology. Uh, the, the best guys, you know, how often do you see Goldie in the dugout with, a, with an iPad? Well, I, I, like I said, I think it has its benefits. It does have its benefits. But I, I don't think you can just solely rely on the, 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 the purpose of looking at what's taking place. Like, you know, coaches have iPads on the sideline in, in football. They, they are going to look at the plays. Oh, shoot, we missed this blitz. This Next time we run this play, look at who's open. You know, this pass protection, this is why this play didn't work properly. Defensively, oh, you're not in your right gap. We talked about this all week. We have to be gap sound. So it has its purpose. But the the thing to remember is the next play is the next play. And even if yeah. you run the same play, the reaction of the defense may not be the same. So now, again, you have to adapt and adjust mm-hmm. on the fly. And how many times was there a linebacker blitzing where you instinctively saw that linebacker and it wasn't even what you saw on tape, but you just... You knew that, that yeah, you had to go that's get That's what I'm talking about yeah. is instinct. Yeah, you you have to rely on your instincts. Like I said, the, the film gives you an idea of what could happen. Mm-hmm. It's not telling you what's going to happen. And what's going to happen, you have to be able to react instantly. Exactly. And I knew that somebody was going to bring up Albert Pujols in the iPad. Mm-hmm. Somebody from the 417 said, with all due respect, I'm with you, but I recall Albert being buried in the iPad in his final run here. It was, which I agree yeah. that that is something that he used, kind of what you're saying, CD, yeah. to his tactical advantage, but also he relied on his instincts at the end of the day, but made adjustments that he could notice from the iPad. And by the way, he was coaching other players with that iPad, he too. He was. He would always have guys coming over right. and would be showing them things. Well, but, well, and here's the reason. like He could look at it in the bat and say, okay, 2-1, and one, he threw me a curveball, and I, I swung and I missed. Yes. Now, next time I get up, if it's 2-1, and one, I, should, I may be you know looking for the curveball, but if he throws a fastball, I have to be able to react or, or, or I'm going to swing and miss on that. So you have to be all the all the information gives you is an idea, again, of what could happen. It's not telling you the complete story because those guys watch film, too. They understand it as well. So, you know, yep. you have to be prepared to to to, adjust, to, I, to adjust. iPads in the dugout are a product of the sign seals stealing scandal from Houston. It's in the last five years. Albert had his career well before there were iPads in the dugout. His, the, the Hall of Fame credentials were built not on having an iPad, but on being able to be the best natural player that he could possibly be. I agree. I think that there is a lot more the instincts behind the scenes and that he innately had. I think that was a huge factor in it. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, we're going to head down the stretch with a little edition of Rock and Roll. Are we giving away Eagles tickets today? They play the Chiefs, right? Yep, Monday night. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, it's Jalen Hurts and and Jason uh, and Hurts versus Mahomes. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, a game. It's a concert. Will Swifty They're be there? singing too? Cool. <laughs> yeah. Who's the lead singer? Sing, right? Yeah. DeAndre Swift. Swift will be there. DeAndre Swift is there. Oh. And Kelsey, Travis Swift. So Swift uh, and Kelsey are there. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, it's gonna oh, be a great it's concert. It's not the Eagles and the Chiefs, unfortunately. It's the Eagles and Steely Dan. Oh. oh, and honestly, Steely uh, Dan, oh. historically good running game, okay. struggling defensively this year a little bit. <laughs> so I don't know how they're going to do. Well, we'll see if we can reel in the years. <laughs> Coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And roll here on 101 ESPN. Your chance to win tickets to see the Eagles in their long goodbye final tour. 
Special guest Steely Dan will join the Eagles at Enterprise Center on February 6th. Tickets go on sale Friday at 10, and you can get tickets now. Find all the details and find a bonus chance to win free tickets at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app. But right now, you can just listen to us and get free tickets to the Eagles. Matthew, what do people have to do? You want to throw out a text or number for this one? I got a, I got a, I got a trivia question oh, for everybody, Randy. Got, I got a text number Ooh, for you. Trivia. Uh, it's 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. There you go. Ooh, that nice was beautiful, Texter number 50 yeah. on this. <laughs> Actually, you know what? No, you know what? You guys made the joke about our, our good friends, the Eagles, earlier. Let's go number 62. Texter number 62 okay. will get the winner. Uh, will win these tickets. And all you got to do is answer this trivia question correctly. Mm-hmm. On which female stars tour... Did Glenn Fry and Don Henley meet and start the Eagles? On which female stars tour did Glenn Fry and Don Henley meet and start the Eagles? Looking for oh. two names here. Female rock star. Well, kind of not necessarily yeah. a rock star. Rock star, yeah. folk star, country star. Yeah. She won Grammys and a lot of different things, but a female star. And they were her, they were part of her <sighs> backup band. And then they eventually went on to start the Eagles. I know. Kira, you got this one? Yeah, two Americans. <laughs> I have no clue. Reba McIntyre. Reba? Reba? That's all I got. I loved her um, show. Did anybody else watch Sunny and Cher. You got one initial right in the wrong <laughs> Sunny spot. and Cher? No, not Look Sunny. Look tree. I said, I said it was a, a solo act mostly. Oh. She has some duets, but, but mostly has... a solo act. Couldn't do. So not Sunny and Cher. So it's not somebody that went by a singular name. No, she like has. She is. Mo- she yeah. She is very well known as having two names. Two different. So it's names. not Madonna. It's not Madonna. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay, not Blondie. Gosh, not. Um, can you? Can, I'm sorry. I can't really picture can the guys Cher. who go on to start the Eagles being like the backup band in like a virgin. <laughs> you never know. Like, I, I just, it's not. It's like, am <laughs> I the only one who's not yeah, seen how this would have worked out really that well? Weirder things have happened. That's that's about that's my. What's a Reba song, CD? Ooh, there ain't no way. There's no, no way. Clue. No? No. Can you can you think of like any song off the top of your head? She had a famous show a that her song was in. She had a show, didn't she? Yeah. She, she had a sitcom, didn't she? Yeah. Wasn't the show or called Reba? Yeah, family. but yeah. I'm saying like, I, I was trying to give you. you a hint because the intro to the show is one of her songs. Have no clue. Never saw the show. Never saw uh, it either. Oh, oh, the theme song to the, to the hit show Reba. That's the, the song. Reba. No. No? Okay. I don't know. No. Was it Why Not Tonight? All I got, man. I can was give you one one? Brooks. I got friends in low places. That's so your that's one country song? Friends in, in low places. places. <laughs> that's always yeah. a go-to yeah. Places. I got friends. Yeah. Carrie, that's our Nook if you buck. Low places. places. Did you know that? That's, 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 not, that's, our, that's our Nook if you buck. If, if a, you that, know that. That's a, that's a, a Nook if you buck. Is that's that. Garth Brooks. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? That's why. You play the song, you get the exact yeah. same Wait, reaction. What? <laughs> That's all I got is Garth Brooks. sings uh, Friends in Low Places. Yeah. Oh, you know? no. I thought you were talking about Nuck If You Buck for yeah. a second. No, I'm I was saying like, that's, I'm saying that's, that's our people's version of Nuck If You Buck. <laughs> oh. You get the exact same reaction uh, if you okay. play that song at a party. Uh, Italians? Reba had a hit in 1977. White folk. Reba. Reba McIntyre? Uh-huh. I don't know a Reba McIntyre song. I got nothing for you. I can't. I'm not going to sing any more songs. I can't. Give me a song. Give me a song. No. Reba, oh, please don't. You're from Nashville. I don't. No, guys. I, I seriously can't oh, sing. Okay, Every time I do it, I feel like I shame All my right, parents. All right, fine. Let's talk a little college football <laughs> then. Yesterday, there was a report from On3 uh, that Quinn Ewers is expected to return to Texas for the 2024 season. Here's my thing for you guys. Is Arch Manning going to take his... Is he going to have his first starting season? Will it be as a Texas Longhorn? If Quinn Ewers is returning next year. So Arch redshirted this year, correct? Yes. 
And so that would mean that he would have next year would be his, his redshirt freshman year. He'd be sitting out possibly. But anything could happen. I mean, you have injuries. You have opportunities to play. I mean, and at the end of the day, Texas is going to play the best person, I would I would assume. He sounds to me like a guy who chose Texas over Alabama. And with Maybe viewers Bama. coming back, goes to Alabama. Does Alabama need a quarterback, Randy? Uh, well, they could use one like Arch Manning, I would think. <laughs> sure. I, I'm, I'm with you on that one, 100%. As soon as I saw that, my very first thought was, Arch Manning's going to be an Alabama Transfer portal player. is always open, man. So, always. things change. God, I mean, just... What else? What else? I mean, you're not a defensive back, which is the best position to go play Nick Saban under. But still, uh, quarterbacks from Alabama not doing too shabby overall in the last the last few no, years. No. By the way, uh, not doing great. MSN reporting that Manning will not transfer out of Texas even if Ewers returns yeah, in 2024. Stand there and compete, man. Don't duck and not dodge and run away from competition. It's man. not about running away from competition. It it's just is. The, the fact that there's no, only one is. person throwing passes. Do you think that's life, man? You don't have you don't get rewarded just you because get you one showed college. up. Well, you only and get he one got three shot. years later. He no. still got three years if if Quinn does come back next year and he's not the starter. He would still have three years to be a starter, and he would only need one True. to go to the NFL. It's not like the the fact that. People run and duck and dodge and, oh, I'm not playing right now. Sometimes you got to learn and sometimes you got to grow and sometimes you become a better person because of it Mm -hmm. and a better player. But, hey, what the hell do I know? I just watch football. (laughs) (laughs) You do a little coaching every once in a while. I read a book called Football for Dummies. That's what I told my kids. (laughs) Is that what you told them? I said, this book is phenomenal. You should check it out. This is how I got all my information on football. That's why you should listen to me. Football you for dummies. Have, have you ever actually read too. anything from Footballs for Dummies? No. But I, I mean, I should. I, I might check. have more information than I actually have now. Just if I read that. <laughs> Learn about what a first down is and, you know, how to snap the ball properly. All those yeah. good things. Good tips and tricks in there, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Greg Rosenthal on Twitter pointing out earlier today, Josh Dobbs, or the Cardinals, I should say, were, were contacted by two teams when they were trying to move Josh Dobbs. One of them was the Minnesota Vikings. The other one, the Cleveland Browns. Oh, that, that one got a sting. No. This close to that and, one and got every a sting. single every single thing in the NFL media over this over the last couple of days has been, you know, are the Browns gonna make that turn? Are they dangerous? Can the AFC North North put all four teams in the playoffs for the first time ever for a division? And that would all be, in my opinion, pretty live still if Joshua Dobbs was on the Cleveland Browns roster. But now, every, you I, know, we did, we did it in live time. Just, nope, you're out. I would assume that the, the package that the Vikings gave was a little bit better than what the Browns would have gave. They still, the Browns still had a starting quarterback at the time. The Vikings did not. They actually needed a guy to come in and yeah, they had well, Jerry they, Hall. But, they, they, and he started that game. But they, you, you brought him in. Come on, yeah. Deshaun right, Watson, right. Jaron Hall. One of them going to play for sure. One of them, eh, maybe, maybe not. So uh, Dobbs has been with the Steelers, Jaguars, Browns, Cardinals, uh, Vikings, but he has also played for the Titans and the Lions. I believe he's already had two stints with Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes. So uh, that would have been the third. They've had opportunities to keep the guy around. Maybe they should have. <laughs> I think so. And I did not see this, but two weeks ago when the Jaguars did come out with did come away with a victory against Kerry's Pittsburgh Steelers. What? I didn't see this. What? When the game was 17-10, Andrew Wingard got a turnover. And 
they proceeded to grab a couple terrible towels. And Brooke knows where I'm going with this one as a Titans mm-hmm. fan. And they proceeded to clown around with the terrible towels. They would win that game, but then they would get... You saw what happened this weekend when they got absolutely hey. blitzed by the 49ers. So, we talked about it earlier in the show. Jaguars, slow start, turning it around now. Did they jinx themselves by messing with the terrible towel I, two weeks ago, Carrie I Davis? ain't going to say that you shouldn't grab a terrible <laughs> towel and do something with it that you shouldn't be doing, but you shouldn't grab a terrible towel and do something other than wave it around. No. I, I, do you, do you bro, believe in the jinxes now? Do you? Because <laughs> Lindell White and Chris Johnson were on that sideline. Then you curse Robert Thomas today. No, no, no. no. I'm, not, I'm talking about the Steelers. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm just one. saying in yeah. jinxes. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, if exactly. You, if you grab a terrible towel <laughs> I and know. you're not a Steelers fan and you do something ignorant, Unsavory. It curses your family and your hey, entire hey, bloodline. I, I wouldn't do it. You should ask Lindell White and those guys yeah. about it. No, I know. They were, over a... there, they were over there stomping the, the, the terrible towel when we lost to them. How'd that work out for them? <laughs> they won a Super Bowl that year, didn't they? No. Jaguars they are, lost Jag- to the Baltimore Ravens, right? Ravens oh. and they were the one seed. There's no way that could happen to the Jaguars this year. No, no way. No, they won't be the one seed. You're right. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. That's our producer, audio, video engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Brooke, was this fun? Yeah. Are you going to say the answer or no? We, we can't say the oh, answer. Oh, yeah, we can say it. We can do, yeah. Oh, the, yeah, we the have answer it was Linda Ronstadt. There we go. There you go. There was a lot of Stevie Nicks, which I was thinking maybe that was it for Dolly Parton. But the problem is, though, is that the timelines don't line up there. Stevie Nicks isn't a solo artist. When Don Henley and Glenn Fry are forming the Eagles, she's still part of... Why am I blanking? Fleetwood, Fleetwood Mac. Mac. Did was, you forget was, about was Fleetwood on, Mac? I blanked on the word Fleetwood Mac. She was still part of Fleetwood Mac, not a solo artist yet. Oh when, my when, God! So yeah, Linda Ross. I'm answer. a survivor to two yeah. CD. That wasn't the question. I'm a survivor. Question. Yeah, Beyonce? for Reba. Reba oh. song. Oh yeah, that was the end. Now that was her theme song. Beyonce? Oh yeah. No, how about that? that? How about that? So uh, <laughs> Tim McCarver came up with the. Uh, the Linda Ronstadt fastball, because Linda Ronstadt had a hit song called Blue By You. Ooh. Oh, I like Blue that. Blue By You, and it blue, B-A-Y-O-U. Hmm. But it was blue fastball, Blue By You, so it was Very the nice. Linda Ronstadt fastball. Like CD. Show us your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? Got my camera fixed. There you uh, go. face now. Yep. <laughs> uh, T-Mac and Ajax coming up with a, uh, a balloon party. And then T Mac taking the next. Co- I'm taking. To- I'm going to go all T Mac on you guys tomorrow. I'm taking tomorrow off. Wow. Yeah, but I'll be back on Friday. He won't. Yeah, you guys will get an extra hour of BK and Ferrario tomorrow, and then an extra hour of us on Friday. Oh wait, what? Forward. Who to the you. hell told us that? What was that decided? <laughs> yes, I might have something going on. <laughs> <That was> decided <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> I don't. I, I had no this, idea either. When these CD. decisions are being made. <laughs> an extra hour on Friday. Oh, I, I have something. I, I might have to bug out like at 10:45. Oh. Okay. I have to right, we got Rox Hill to die on on Friday. If, yeah, you, if we want one, sure. Yeah, be right. because you, you and Rudy Gobert need yeah. to have hey, a seat. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us, especially these guys, till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great hump day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.